It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Good evening, bigots, or good morning if you're over there in Australia or New Zealand. My chair's tipping. My chair's tipping. Ugh. There we go. Now I'm stable. Now I'm stable. Like David Attenborough's ideal population. There we go. There we go. I, get, I got one laugh from, from the live audience over here. I got a chuckle from the live audience. We got Jessica. Jessica, my, uh, my wife here today. A lesbian wife. She still doesn't recognize me as a woman. She's, the reason she... Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. The reason, the reason I think she doesn't respect me as a woman yet is I haven't had my first gender-affirming fight. Right? I haven't had my first gender-affirming boxing match or MMA fight against a proper woman. Right? So we're working on it. We'll see what's up. Um... I mean, I'm really looking at looking forward to competing in women's athletics. It, I feel like it is my, uh, it's kind of it's my big shot. Your it's my calling. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah. Today we're talking about David Attenborough, Sir David Attenborough, Sir David Attenborough, Attenborough, blah Attenborough. <laughs> All right, we, got, we, we are live streaming over at Rockfin tonight as well. What's up, everybody at Rockfin? If you're new to the channel, welcome. This is your initiation. You are officially bigots now. Um, here we go. Here we go, everybody. <clears throat> I actually, you know what? I should, I should have done that. Uh, I should have played the introduction that had, that had David Attenborough. I had those clips of David Attenborough. Every, every extra person is just an extra victim. Climate change. The climate won't stop changing until you stop having babies. This is David Attenborough telling you to put the pee-pee in the poo-poo of Mummy Earth. Yeah, we're, t we're talking David Attenborough today. We're talking David Attenborough today, everybody. David Attenborough. Brah. 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 David Attenborough. But yeah, we're simulcasting live over at Rockfin. Let me just throw the, uh, here's the link for the Rockfin stream. That's a long URL. The first, sometimes the URLs are shorter. It's okay. It takes up a lot of space, but there you go. There you go. Watch it over on Rockfin too, right? If you're on YouTube, pull up a tab on Rockfin just in case YouTube cuts it off. Uh, we're going to be able to do uncensored content over there at Rockfin. There will be... There will be no censorship from Rockfin. You can say what you want. You can sign up for a free account right there. Pull out that tab. Listen to it over on Rockfin. Check it out on Rockfin. Got a small audience that we're building over there. And if you want to support the streams, that's a great way to support is by upgrading from the free account to a subscription. If you subscribe, you will get members-only content. We're going to be doing, I think what we're going to probably start in the next few weeks is start doing the second half, Rockfin only. Or maybe just do certain streams and certain subjects, Rockfin only. Because, as you all know, YouTube, no likey when you talk about certain subjects. 
you know, and it's it's very it's very arbitrary. I mean, obviously we see we see a pattern in the topics that YouTube doesn't like you to talk about, but but it does seem kind of arbitrary sometimes. You know what they censor, what they don't. So yeah, guys, I'm glad I'm glad we're doing it on Rockfin now. The uh, best way to support the stream, of course, is always going to be through those Streamlab donations. Don't do it through YouTube super chats. I think um, I've, I've, I've talked about this for a little bit now. I've got to, I might disable the option completely to super chat through YouTube. Um, I don't even monetize these videos anymore. If you if you guys haven't noticed, there are no ads that run on YouTube. That's because YouTube just they they barely monetize any of our content anyways. And I feel like maybe it'll kind of slip under the radar of the algorithm if you uh, if you don't put it as monetized. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But either way, hit the, hit the thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Share these videos. Share that Rockfin link, which you can find in the description of the YouTube video. And, uh, and enjoy the stream, guys. Enjoy the stream. We got, uh, we got a great topic today. All you bigots in the chat. I don't know if you guys have heard of this thing. <clears throat> Climate change? Climate change, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's all the rage. All the kids are talking about the climate change, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, climate change. Every extra person on this planet is taking away the resources that me and Prince Philip can be divvying up for our children, which are abundant. All the extra resources that an extra person will use will surely kill all of the precious insects and butterflies. And the Royal Society has been at the forefront of fighting climate change and the root causes of climate change. So we're going to be talking about David Attenborough today. The worldview of David Attenborough. The, uh, the materialist worldview of David Attenborough, which has all sorts of also metaphysical presuppositions that he doesn't seem to question much. You know that's that's how the uh, that's how a lot of these uh, evangelical atheists are, though, right? A lot of the uh, um, climate activists, right? They they'll call upon science, right? But it's not actual science that they're using. You know, what they're actually hearkening to, uh, what they're actually uh, appealing to, rather, is is scientism, right? The tism, the scientism. So yeah, it's, uh, this, this spans every single aspect of our life, right? This, uh, this narrative of, oh, climate change, the climate is changing. You see this being spouted by the spiritual gurus, right? Sadhguru. You saw this being spouted by Osho. Right? Osho back in the day, um, uh, a huge proponent, proponent of population control. And he, he, even, he even advocated for the government mandatorily doing mandatory sterilization of the population, right? He said the government should step in and for a single generation just force everybody to stop breeding. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch those clips from Osho on Rockfin because when I have viewed Osho clips before in the past, they instantly, they, they got a lot of money, Osho's foundation. Their, their algorithms will instantly find that video and they will flag it for copyright infringement, which is a false copyright claim, of course. Completely false copyright claim, but you know how it goes. You know how YouTube goes. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be doing a stream on Osho. That'll be Rockfin exclusive. Um, we're going to delve further into this depopulation madness. The uh, 
rebranded eugenics movement, which is the environmental movement. And today we're going to be pulling from a few texts. And uh, if you guys want to do some more research yourself, I'll give you a little list here. First of all, we've got, this is a very important text, Ecoscience, Ecoscience by Paul Ehrlich and Ann Ehrlich and John P. Holdren. All right, now, Paul Ehrlich was um, <clears throat> the Al Gore slash Chicken Little of the 60s and 70s. Paul Ehrlich helped to, he coined the term, or perhaps a PR firm coined the term for him, but he popularized the term, the population bomb. Now, I'm not sure how intelligent Paul Ehrlich really is <laughs> with uh, these marketing terms, so that might have been some PR, that might have been some, uh, some, uh, some Bernays-style PR maneuvering there, linguistic maneuvering. But the population bomb, right? They called a whole generation the baby boomers. You know, after this massive depopulation effort in the Second World War, right? Just the, the, the complete slaughter, the European population. This absolute annihilation and slaughter. Both sides funded through the same mechanisms, right? You had uh, banks like Brown Brothers Harriman out of the United States, which uh, Prescott Bush was heavily involved in. Funding. Getting some support. We got, we got some super chats. There we go. We got, um, I was in the dashboard of, of uh, what's it called? A Streamlabs trying to change some of my notifications, but they changed the setup. So I got to figure out. I, I want to make some new notifications there for, for Streamlabs. But you had Brown Brothers, Harriman, Prescott Bush, heavily involved in funding the German industrial efforts pre and during World War II. <laughs> You've got, uh, just like the Soviet Union was bankrolled by Western banking interests, right? Just like the ideology for the Soviet Union was an export from the West. The roots of that ideology of Marxism, Leninism, of communism, the roots of that ideology stemming out of the Enlightenment, the post-Enlightenment period, humanism, and ultimately nihilism. Right, so the, uh, this book, Ecoscience, Paul Ehrlich. Paul Ehrlich, Anne Ehrlich, and John P. Holdren. Now, John P. Holdren, he later became the White House science czar under President uh, Barack Obama. Right? He was Barack Obama's White House science czar. Yeah, so we're going to talk, we're going to have a few quotes from this book that we'll be pulling from. I've been telling people to get this book. It was, it was kind of hard to get a copy of this a while ago. You can find a PDF. I don't know how easy it is to get a physical copy. I think this one, because this one's printed in the 70s, it might be kind of worth something now. Um, yeah, I, mean, I won't sell it or anything, but they go through phases, right? People, st people recommend, uh, researchers look into these books, and then the prices get jacked up. So there's also Population Resources Environment, Paul Ehrlich and Ann Ehrlich, Issues in Human Ecology. Um, a lot of overlap with this and eco-science. Right, so Paul Ehrlich... John P. Holden, we're also going to be looking a little bit, and uh, this is a book that we pull from very often, The First Global Revolution, a report by the Council of the Club of Rome. Right, so the Club of Rome started in 1968. 1968. And around the same time that the World Economic Forum started, right? a lot of overlap there with these, uh, these think tanks. You know, a lot of these people in part of the modern technocratic movement were heavily influenced through the policy papers and the publications of the Club of Rome. So we'll be pulling a little bit from this to uh, kind of weave some of these ideas 
You know, I've got the infamous quote here from page 75 from the chapter called The Vacuum, where the Club of Rome says, the common enemy of humanity is man, with a capital M. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, well, that's, that's an interesting idea. Then we're also going to be talking about the changing images of man. Speaking about the common enemy of humanity being man, coming out of the Stanford Research Institute, the Center for the Study of Social Policy, slash SRI International, right? So social policy, social sciences, this is where a lot of these ideas come from. A lot of the ideas that get spread through and disseminated through the technocracy. A lot of the ideas that we see being played out now with the whole coof madness, right? With all this, uh, the COVID lockdowns, all this stuff. These are implemented, not implemented, rather, but uh, these are dreamed up by think tanks, right? By uh, university think tanks very often that are funded by organizations, uh, NGOs, rather, like the Rockefeller Foundation, like the Carnegie Endowment, the Ford Foundation, yeah. Uh, the Open Society Foundation. You know, a lot of these foundations, they will fund these groups, these think tanks to make publications. Now, The Changing Images of Man, this is a fascinating uh, book. This was edited by O.W. Markley, the project director, and Willis W. Harmon, the project supervisor. Uh, Joseph Campbell was involved in this publication. Now, this ties together the ideas of the New Age, the New Ecological Awareness, Planetary Awareness, and changing, just like the title says, the images of man. Now, what does it mean to the changing images of man, right? Uh, they're referring to changing the way that man views himself, changing the way that man sees himself, his place in the cosmos, his place in the world, right? So this is a theological treatise, right? This is a theological treatise from the priests of scientism. And that's what a lot of these publications are. Right, so we might also talk a little bit about The Molecular Vision of Life by Lily E. K. Another book that I highly recommend you guys get a copy of. Lily E. K. The Molecular Vision of Life. Caltech, the Rockefeller Foundation, and the Rise of the New Biology. Now, Lily E. K., this was published through the Program in Science, Technology, and Society at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. So this is MIT, right? published through Oxford University Press in 1993. This book breaks down... Lily E.K., this book breaks down the new dogmas of scientism, right? The, uh, the new dogmas of scientism and where they were rooted in, right? And the root of this in Lily E.K.'s proposition is uh, in the early eugenics movement, right? The new scientism being based around ecology, being based around the molecular vision of life, uh, the, the, this reductionist... Uh, uh, How dare you... <clears throat> Humanity, humanity. See, these notifications that we're getting through Streamlabs here. Species. The cruelest species. Now, this woman who you hear speaking right here, this insane woman you hear speaking, how dare humanity, uh, that, uh, that manatee that you hear speaking right there, <laughs> that manatee uh, uh, hating on humanity there, is a university professor. Uh, university psychology lecturer out of the UK, Michelle Lowe. Michelle Lowe. You know, and you see how this, uh, this anti-human, we must depopulate the planet. There's not enough space for all of us. But of course, you know, there's enough space for me and my family. But all those other extra people, those are just, they're just that. They're extra. Right? And you'll see that these ideas come out of these big foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation, right? The robber baron money the monopolist money, 
right, who now present themselves as the saviors of humanity, right? There's, uh, they make these social programs and fund uh, what they call socialism and communism, but these are monopoly, monopoly capitalists, right? Well, why do we have monopoly capitalists funding and directing socialist movements in the West? Right, well, this is part of the changing images of man, the new eco-consciousness, right? The new global commons, as they call it. Right, the global commons is a term that was used way back in the eco-science book. Now, this eco-science was published, I believe, in 1973. Let me just make sure. There's somebody going to try. You said it was published in 1973, but it was published in 1975. Your disinformation shield. 1970. 1970, there you go. 1970, first published. So they're talking about the, the global commons. We need a global commons, global government. Right? Now the solution that's proposed also by the Club of Rome is, guess what? Global government. Global government. You know, the, the, uh, we're we're going to get the, the thousand-year Reich, the thousand-year eco-Reich. It's going gonna, it's gonna to save the planet from the evil people who just won't stop having their babies. All right, so first we're going we're gonna to take a look at Sadhguru here. Sadhguru has spoken at the World Economic Forum, openly said that there are too many people. How do we get rid of our atrocious carbon footprint? Well, we have to get rid of the number of feet. We have to decrease the number of feet. And the audience, of course, laughs, just like the audience laughs at Bill Gates saying, one of these numbers going to have to get real close to zero. One of these numbers going to have to get real close to zero. Yep. Yep. So it's uh, the, the spiritual gurus are all up in this too. And if you want to learn a little bit about why that is, where these ideas came from, The Changing Images of Man, Stanford Research Institute's book, is an important read. Is an important read. Uh, one of the chapters, chapter four, is called The Influence of Science on the Image of Man. Right now, what is, what is the image of man? The image of man that they want to change. What is, what is the image of man that they want to change? Well, of course, that's man being made in the image and likeness of God. Man being made in the image and likeness of God. We have to get rid of this. This leads to exploitation of nature, right? So they use this, this straw man of, of, uh, of the West, right? This, the, the, the Protestant ethos, this um, uh, basically rooted in scholasticism and rationalism, essentially. This Western idea and the image of man, used as a straw man. There's, oh, Christianity is bad. That just led to the exploitation of nature because, look, the industrialization of the West has destroyed the planet. <laughs> it's destroyed the planet. So they blame Christianity. Man thinks that he's made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, man just thinks that he can dominate nature. Nature is just something to be dominated. So therefore, we have to dominate man now and give man a new image. And if we can just rearrange how man sees himself in the cosmos and in the universe with new metaphors, <laughs> with new metaphors, with new images of what man is in the cosmos, with a new theology, with a new global religion, then we can have a utopia. Then we can get rid of all the extra people and we can save Mother Earth. This is essentially SRIs. Who I mean, remember SRI Stanford was heavily involved in MK Ultra mind control experiments. This is around the same time. Uh, around the same time. Now, the Changing Images of Man was first published in 1982, but it was several years earlier that these studies were being conducted, and these roundtable conversations were being conducted among. 
the elite, the self-proclaimed intellectual elite. Right, so it starts out, this book starts out, Changing Images of Man, which proposes we need new spiritual gurus to preach eco-religion, to preach eco-awareness, ecological awareness, and that needs to be the new religion. Right? Actually, in the end of this book, they say that the new image of man is basically, it's going to be Freemasonry. That's, 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 I completely forgot about this. I haven't read this book in a little while. The new, the new image of man is going to be a, a modified version of scientism, Gnosticism, and like ecumenism, right? The, the perennial philosophy, right? essentially what Aldous Huxley was writing about, Julian Huxley, combined with, and Freemasonry. But that's the model. So we're going to have to do another deep dive on this book. We're going to just touch on a few of these quotes for the beginning here. So right before, before even the acknowledgments, here's a quote from Yu Thant from 1969. I don't know who Yu Thant is, but this, I do not wish to seem overdramatic, but I can only conclude from the information that is available to me to, as Secretary General of the members of the United Nations. Well, thank you for answering the question there for me. Yu Thant, Secretary General of the United Nations. I can only conclude from the information available to me as Secretary General of the members of the United Nations, we have perhaps 10 years left in which to subordinate their ancient quarrels and launch a global partnership to curb the arms race to improve the human environment, to defuse the population explosion, and to supply the required momentum to development efforts. If such a global partnership is not forged within the next decade, then I very much fear that the problems I have mentioned will have reached such staggering proportions that they will be beyond our capacity to control. Now, this is really similar to what we, uh, what we see in the Club of Rome, right? The Club of Rome's limits to growth. I mean, that might, that, they might have used that exact quote in the limits to growth. So we've got Fred Pollack. Fred Pollack. Awareness of ideal values is the first step in the conscious creation of images of the future and therefore the creation of culture. For a value is by definition that which guides toward valued future, toward a valued future. Any student of the rise and fall of cultures cannot fail to be impressed by the role of this historic succession by the image of the future. The rise and fall of images of the future precedes or accompanies the rise and fall of cultures. In the end, the future may well be decided by the image which carries the greatest spiritual power. So the importance of imagery, right? The not just importance of imagery for, you know, oh, entertainment and whatnot. It's like, oh, you know, the, the kids, they just really like looking at the, they just really want to watch the WAP. You know, the, the kids, they love watching the WAP and the, the WAP is flapping and it's, they, they got to get a mop and the, the kids love it. No, it's, the reason you're given these images is because they strike you at a deep primal level and influence your behavior, your view of yourself in the cosmos, and they influence how you behave and what you do. Right? There's, there's nothing more important than your images of what you are in the cosmos, where you come from, and where you believe you're going towards. Right? So this image that man is on this linear trajectory. You know, we started out as cosmic pond scum that evolved from nothing, right? Nothing just evolved into something. And then that dead something, you know, inanimate matter suddenly became animate. Inanimate matter becomes animate. And through you know, basically the will to power, when it really comes down to it, through the will to power, man crawls from pond scum 
through the evolutionary ladder, right, this kind of Hindu idea, right, this, uh, the transmutation of souls, which Pythagoras believed in as well. And then man climbs out of inanimate matter, right, evolves from, uh, from rocks into monkeys and then becomes man. And then now man has the ability to take control of evolution. Not just the ability, not just the right, but perhaps even the duty. Right? So the idea of the will to power coming out of nihilism, coming out of Nietzsche, being really leveraged by some of the maniac, genocidal maniacs of the 20th century. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are the cosmic mighty Morphin Power Ranger. Right, Jordan Moore up in the chat. You are the, you are the cosmic mighty morphin power ranger. You have mighty morphed from, you've mighty morphed out of rocks and then you became a, a, a little rat shrew creature and that's like your great, 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 great to the thousandth grandma is a rat, a shrew. And then just through, through random mutation and environmental flux, you end up here as a man, right? As the top Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. And now we have to Mighty Morph your vision of who you are, what you are in the cosmos in order to give you the new religion, right? The new religion, which is going to be based on scientism, right? So the, uh, the, this paper, the policy paper, which is basically a policy paper for mass propaganda, is basically a policy paper for culture creation over the next four decades, and it was completely implemented, right? When you look back and you read this, you don't just see the musings of a bunch of crazy people, a bunch of insane egomaniacs who believe that they are the, the peak, the tip of the spear of evolution and have the evolutionary right of kings, the, the, uh, the nihilist divine right of kings uh, and have to change culture and have to you know, make man into this transhumanist, transgender, um, mighty morphin, Power Ranger, Captain Planet, Mushman. You, you, you see that, but then these aren't just madmen. These are, you know, you've got Joseph Campbell, heavily influential in the New Age movement, really influential among the, uh, uh, a lot of the folks that are into, we'll call it the New Age for all intents and purposes. Um, so this feasibility of an integrative, Evolutionary image of man is what they propose. All right, chapter 7, societal changes and consequences of changing images. So they talk about future trends, how to influence future trends. All right, then guidelines and strategies for the transformation is the last chapter. They're talking about having a, what they call a non-disruptive transition. Right, Gradualism, the idea of gradualism. You slow boil the frog. You can't just slap man into line. We have to gradually propagandize through culture, through writing. Right? This is back when people read books. You guys remember those things people used to read? Um, through images in mass media. And this is what they've done. This is exactly what they've done. Here, I've got to read a couple super chats and then we're going to get into this video of, of the Guru Sadguru. Sadhguru, the overpopulation. We must stop. We must stop the overpopulation or the insects will die. 
You think it sounds funny, but all the insects are dying. There are too many babies on the planet. You are killing all the earthworms. You are killing all, all of the precious mosquitoes. <laughs> Ruban, thank you, Ruban. Ruban, 36 minutes ago at the start of the stream, donated 15 bucks. Thank you very much, man. I think I think I follow you on Instagram. Ruban donated 15 bucks. Says, hey, Tristan, keep up the good work. I hope you and the family are keeping well. Hey, we're doing our best, man. I got uh, Jessica's over here knitting. I'm crocheting. Crocheting. It's all the same. It's That's, you're knitting. It is different. Okay. She's crocheting. Which is, it's, it's uh, crocheting is a fancy word for knitting. For those of you who Rory Holland donated 25 bucks. Rory Holland, the top bigot of the chat. Top big in the chat. Remember, you guys, if you like these streams, these are supported by you. 100% supported by you. We got no sponsors. We got no Bill Gates money. We got no Monsanto money. We got no uh, Saudi princes like the uh, like the, the vegan propagandists out there. All right, we're 100% supported by you guys. Please support the stream. If you enjoy the stream, please support the stream. Right, if you want your questions and comments read in the stream... There's the support link. Support via Streamlabs, not via YouTube. Don't give YouTube any money. Screw YouTube. That's the best way to support. And remember, we're simulcasting over on Rockfin as well. There's a link in the description of the video. You can check out the Rockfin channel. We will be doing exclusive content, uncensored content over there very, very soon. And that's another way you can support is through subscribing. You can upgrade your free account, which free account is really easy. All you need is an email address. But if you want to really support and you want to get exclusive content over there, which is coming really soon, subscribe. And that is a good way that we could actually, perhaps, actually monetize the channel over there on Rockfin, which we really appreciate Rockfin over there. Shout out to the Rockfin peeps. There's a link in the description for that one. Pull up a Rockfin tab and just watch it over there instead of a YouTube. Use the YouTube chat, but watch it over on Rockfin, you know? You know, screw YouTube. All right, so thank you very much. This uh, stream right now, Rory Holland is the, st the top sponsor, number one bigot in the chat. The top super chat of the night will get a prize to be determined later. It will probably be social credits. That's what it's going to be. Yay, carbon credits for you. Rory Holland gets 2,000 gigatons carbon credits. Uh, says, happy belated Women's Day, Tristan. Thank you. My wife didn't tell me that. She doesn't believe I'm a woman yet. Um, <clears throat> She doesn't believe I'm a woman until I actually start slaying bitches in sports. All right, so I'm, look, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that gender-affirming fight. I want a vegan woman. Uh, Rory Holland says, uh, donate 25 bucks. Top Super Chatter says, happy belated Women's Day. Women's Day, rather. Glad to finally catch you live. Thank you for these streams that help me feel sane. Right on. Thank you. Thank you, Rory. I appreciate it. Hot for Health donated $5. Says, happy healthy Ryan. And vegan stains... Just had a debate, and my gosh, the color difference between gray slash black man and California native. Um, Hot for Health, thank you very much. Check out Hot for Health's channel. I, you know, um, shout out to shout out to Vegan Phobic. Vegan Phobic sent me earlier today a couple clips from that. I forgot about that. I gotta watch that. Well, maybe we'll watch it on a stream and and break it down. Um, really funny clips that he sent me. So yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for the support. And then uh, let's see, we got another one. Oh, those are, that's it. Just, just three supporters, three sponsors today. If you guys like the stream, please support it. Support the dang stream through the Super Chats on Streamlabs. Don't do it through YouTube. Thank you guys. All right, here we go. We got Sadhguru showing us the, uh, the, uh, 
the way. The way to save the planet. Let's hear what he's got to say about the overpopulation. Even if we live at, even if uh, the earth is exploited at its present rate or much more, each one of us have to live with 40% less resource than we are living right now. Helps sweep away stress and negativity, leaving you feeling chilled out and ready to face the world with a positive aura. <laughs> oh, there's so many people, we will have to live with so much less. You, you have, say you have a hundred dollars, you will have to give up a forty dollars if there are so many people. But if you will just cut off your peepees of your babies, you will just not have the baby and cut out your peepees, then you will, then you will be so happy because you will have 40% more. You will have 40% more of all the resources. <laughs> Not that children are wrong. We were all children some time ago. It's not about children being right or wrong. It's a stupid question. It's, it's not even a thought, okay? It's a silly thing to think whether they're right or wrong. It's just a silly thing to think that whether they're right or wrong. They are a scourge on the planet. They are, <laughs> they are, they are off-gassing toxic CO2. They are taking all my resources. They are taking... They are stealing my childhood. They are stealing Greta Thunberg at childhood. That made me so sad. It is just that, that water over there. there was a time when a woman would easily have a dozen children in her lifetime. And it was normal. Three, four of them died, seven, eight of them lived. This is, I love how this is their, this has been since the, the eco-science book, this has been like the scientism's, the, the tism of the scientism, the tism of the science has been has been proposing this. This is why women used to have so many babies because they will die. And the women just want to have so many babies because all the babies will they keep dying. And the people, they did not have the science. They did not have the vaccine. They do not have a happy, healthy vaccine to give their children. They don't have Bill Gates. They do not have iPad. They have very bad Wi-Fi. Children do not get to watch. They do not get to watch uh, YouTube for children. They have terrible Wi-Fi and they will die. They, they die, failure to thrive. Because they do not have, they do not have the cool thing that we have now. <laughs> like, oh, women, the only reason women used to have so many babies is because they would have, some babies would die in childbirth. That is the stupidest explanation. Now, you know, the reason women used to have more babies is because there used to be something called families. <laughs> because people used to do what was called producing food. Yeah? People would produce food. And they would feed their families with that food. Now, now, the new eco-consciousness, right? This new, uh, this new super progressive idea. Oh, it's so progressive. Now, the idea, the ideal life of a woman that's presented in mass media is a woman goes to work, right? That's, you, know, you want to be economically successful. 
And a successful woman is not you know, a woman raising a beautiful family, right? beautiful family of children that understand their place in the world, that will work hard, that understand the value of their suffering, that understand the value of hard physical work, that understand the value of temperance. Now, children that worship God, children that believe that they're made in the image and likeness of God. No, now it's the, the woman is, is, she's so oppressed and the only way that she can get back at the oppressive world is to go and compete with men in the workplace and then that's gonna make her liberated, right? We're gonna, we're gonna liberate you and this is, going to, uh, this is gonna be so good for you, right? Now, in this book, Ecoscience, which we talked about earlier, they actually talk about in the chapter on economic policies, right, on institutions and economic policies, as well as education. Let me find the right chapter here. They talk about how one of the major population control measures is getting women in the workplace, right, making them a part of the taxable population, now putting them into putting them into high-rise offices so they can work for another man. Go work for another dude. This is going to empower you. Now you're going to be empowered. Go work for some other man. So much better now. This is much bigger and stronger than you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of the spirit of it right there. The women want to be bigger and stronger. They want to flex their economic power. And this is promoted as a way, right, through international development. It's promoted that more women in the workplace will result in lower birth rates. Right? So it's not, because, it's not because women just don't want to have babies as much because their babies don't die so much. And they just consciously, oh, my baby didn't die. I'm going to have another baby. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I had four babies die. I better get, I better get some more babies. Better have some more babies. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not how it works. So it's a really stupid explanation. All right, we got a, we got a super chat over here. Exposing powerful lies. What's up, dude? Suppose and powerful lies donated five dollars. I got my vaccine and now I'm no longer a racist. Thank you, AstraZeneca. There you go. You got a good global citizen there. Right, if we just if we can just vaccinate the population, then they, all the all the people will stop having the babies. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, eco science. They openly propose here promoting economic policies for decreasing the human population. Now, population control and development. Population control cannot be achieved in a social or economic vacuum, of course. To formulate effective population control measures, much greater understanding is needed about all people's attitudes towards reproduction and how these attitudes are affected by various living conditions, including some that seem virtually intolerable to people in developed countries. Even more, it is essential to know what influences and conditions will lead to changes in attitudes in favor of smaller families. Of course, one of these Changes in attitudes is women going to work. Another change in attitude is removing religion, right? You got pesky religion, people's belief in God, people believing that they are made in the image and likeness of God. 
Ooh, that's so bad. That's just so bad. They're going to keep having babies. We better get rid of them. We better get rid of them. So efforts should be made to reduce less developed country birth rates from an average of 38 in 1974 to 30 per thousand by 1985. Was proposing policies to decrease the birth rates in the lesser developed countries, what they call them, the LDCs. Right? Because they know that developed countries, right, the Western developed countries, have lower fertility rates. Those lower fertility rates are due to many factors, including nutrition. There's an entire section on nutrition in this book. Not poor nutrition in the developed countries because people are disconnected from their source of food. They're fed industrial kibble. They're fed industrial kibble instead of real foods. Right? They're completely disconnected from their ability to actually produce their own food. In Western countries, women are spending their time and energy trying to become rich, trying to get clout, now trying to get clicks, right? Promiscuity promoted in the developed countries, right? They find that the sexual revolution, sexual liberation, the destruction of families, and the idea of a family decreases human population. If people don't have a desire to have families, if they have access to infanticide, institutionalized infanticide, then they will, of course, through being enslaved to their passions, right? Through being enslaved to sexual desire. Let's stop having the babies. Uh-oh. The stream just went red down below. It's doing the same thing it did last time. It's 8 o'clock. And it's doing, it's, it's glitching out a little bit here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Right, I think it's back. Here we go. What a weird thing. It's always around the same time that that happens. Always around the same time that it happens. Okay. All right, guys. Remember, we're also we're simulcasting over on Rockfin. Check out the simulcast over on Rockfin. You can make a free account over there. Make a free account. All you need is an email to make an account over on Rockfin. Let me drop the link in here. There's the link. We're going to do some future exclusive content over there. Exclusive content to come on Rockfin. They do not censor. We can say what we want over on Rockfin. We can say what we please and actually monetize the content, which YouTube does not allow us to do. And actually, we'll give you real view counts. We'll tell you exactly how many people are actually watching, which YouTube does not like to do either. All right, so remember, you guys, uh, these streams are supported by you, 100% supported by you guys. All right, we've got, we've got my mods up in the chat. Got the Super Mod Squad. Shout out to Exposing Powerful Lies live streams. Dangerfield Henley. Aaron Burroughs up in the chat. You guys, keep them trolls out of there. Guys, keep them trolls out of there. I want to. I, you, we might have to. We might have to drop some ban hammers here. There we go. We got Patty Mills bitching and crying in the chat because he came and insulted me on the last comment section, and I banned his account. So then he went and made another account to come and talk shit and just instantly start popping off. <laughs> Patty Mills, Patty Mills, you little buddy. 
We need to calm down. How many alt accounts are you going to make just to come over here <clears throat> and try and talk shit? How many alt accounts are you going to make to come over here and bitch and cry? All right? We've allowed you to bitch and cry for the last five minutes, little baby boy. You've been bitching and crying and whining. Well, you censored me. You censored me. No, no, no. I banned your account because you came and talked shit. <laughs> yeah? It's not censoring. This is, you're in my living room, dude. I'm sitting here. You're in my office. All right? Step into my office. You're banned, fuckhead. <laughs> All right. I don't even see your comments anymore, so I'm not going to ban you yet. You come, you keep, come pop it off again. you out of here. All right. Here we go. Thank you guys for the support. The guys who, the people who actually support, and just don't come bitch and cry like little babies like Patty Mills over here. Thank you guys who do support the stream. I appreciate it. Best way to support is via the Streamlabs link. There's a link right there. Got that that Streamlabs competition going on. Seeing who could be the top, the top super chatter over there. We got a slow night so far. We got very few sponsors so far. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes people roll through late in the stream. So hopefully, hopefully we get some we get some sponsorship later in the stream. Whatever you're thinking about sending through Streamlabs, add a zero or two to that. Send it over, and that will help to decrease your carbon footprint. I will use that money to employ uh, several women who will then not have time or desire to have children. Okay, so that's going to decrease your carbon footprint, and it's going to make you so so green. It'll help to save the planet. It will shave the planet. All right, so back, back to Sadhguru. Just now. Now, most women who have children here probably have two. Some of them slipped through and they became three. <gasps> oh, some of them slipped through. Oh. Generally, most women have... Is there an, are there lots of women leave the... Women who are over 50, 60 years of age, the younger woman, is there anybody who has four or five children here? Almost nil, isn't it? But if you ask this question, about 50 years ago, almost any woman in the region of early 30s would have five children or six children. It's because they weren't working, right? The, the economic situation has become so dire through inflation. Right? And the women's liberation movement was a complete ruse. A complete ruse. Now, families can't even afford to live without income generated by two parents now. Right? So it's a dire situation for a lot of people. You know, women entering the workplace, that's 50% increase. Right? You're, double, you're doubling your tax base right there. And a significant decrease in fertility rates happens when that happens. So he acts like, oh, this is the choice. The women are empowered. They are empowered not to have a baby. They are empowered to chase the mammons. They will not be shuckled upon the mammarish because they will be shocking at the goddess of the mammon. They will be shocking the teeth of the mammon. So you, somewhere, you got, got your sense in place. You decided... That instead of having six, let's have two or one. So if your sense can work to that extent, right now we are in a place where if we have to feed, clothe and offer a decent life, 
what the 7 billion people we need for the standards that we are thinking of, for the standards that most, pe most people are aspiring for, we need to outsource our resources from at least another three planets Earths. That we need at least three more planets. We could do that. We, we can do that. We can find a three-planet Earth. We can send an Elon Musk a rocket ship. We send a giant Elon Musk a rocket ship up into the space. We can, we can clone the women. We can clone the women. We send the women into space. And the women, the space bitches will go. And they will find a three more planet Earth. We will, we will tie them up. We will bring giant trailer hitch. It being a giant trailer hitch, we drill to center core of planet. We put a trailer hitch in planet. We put big chain, big space chain on planet, and we take the rocket ship, the Elon Musk rocket ship, and we bring the planet back. We bring it back here, and we use all the resources. But guess what? Those will not be enough because if we do not sterilize all the extra people. If we do not sterilize all the extra people, even Elon Musk and his three planets that he tore back from space on him, SpaceX, rocket ship, they will not be enough because there will be too many babies who will be have to be fed and declothed. Too many babies. I, I clothe and feed precisely zero people other than myself. <laughs> the only person I am concerned with clothing is the Sadhguru. I feel ten Just, feet tall right now. Ooh. And strong as an ox. So, so it's funny, this, this dude Sadhguru talking about, oh, we're going to have to feed and clothe all these people. We're going to have to feed everybody. How are we going to do that? Don't you love this? It's always we. We're gonna have to feed and we're gonna have to feed these people. How are we gonna feed these people? And who is it that's saying this? But people who've never produced any food. People who don't make food or clothing. <laughs> oh, how are we gonna feed all those people? Says like a 19-year-old college student who dad bought her a BMW when she's 16 years old, right? 19-year-old <laughs> UC Santa Barbara student. I hate my dad. He only bought me an M5. It was like a 95 though. It was like a total piece of shit. It was a 95. It's like 20 year old car. So gay, dad. That, that's who's saying, oh, how are we gonna feed all those people? If there's nine or 10 billion people, how are we gonna feed them all? Right? Like, oh, uh, so fry. It's just that they aren't there. If they were there, no problem. We could have gone and towed one planet close to us and used that planet. But there isn't any other. So till we find such one, it's good to hold your reproduction, isn't it? Nation. Till we find extra planets where we can export our people. It's good to hold back your reproduction, otherwise nobody is going to live well on this planet. It doesn't matter what technology you bring, it doesn't matter what you do, 
Nobody is going to live well on this planet if you continue to increase. Increase. When I say continue to increase, I want you to understand the volume of increase that we have caused. In the beginning of twentieth century, we were only one point five. Now we have so many billions of people. Sure, so the Sadhguru, Sadhguru, we got the Washington Post. We have a pretty good idea of when humans will go extinct. <laughs> From a twenty seventeen article. The probability of global catastrophe is very high, the bulletin of the atomic scientist warned in setting the doomsday clock 2.5 minutes before midnight earlier this year. On nuclear weapons and climate change, humanity's most pressing existential threats, the bulletin scientist found that inaction and brinkmanship have continued, endangering every person everywhere on Earth. So the, this is the science, right? That's a scientist. The scientist warned... The science moved forward the doomsday clock. Oh my goodness. This is from the, uh, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. It's two and a half minutes to midnight. The doomsday clock. They had to move it forward, guys. The science said we're two more minutes towards midnight until we're all going to die. Midnight, we're all dead. Two and a half minutes to midnight, guys. <laughs> two minutes to midnight. Is that, a, is that an Iron Maiden song? Two minutes to midnight. We need a sad guru singing. We have two minutes to midnight. We have a two minutes to midnight. We're so close to midnight, you guys. That's the science, right? The science. The science. Oh, so it's completely unscientific, right? Just the total bastardization of the scientific process. Scientism. Here you go. Inquirer.net. Overpopulation makes social distancing tough to enforce. Duterte admits. Bacalod City. President Rodrigo Duterte. Is that a Spanish president? Duterte, sorry. Rodrigo Duterte. On Thursday, March 11th, admitted it was tough to enforce social distancing protocol to prevent the spread of SARS-CoV-2. Oh, uh, so scientific. Is a pee -pee in the poo -poo Sa SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 as a result of overpopulation. It's just so hard, right? We would be able to stop the spread. We would, the, the spread would have been slowed so long ago, but overpopulation makes it too hard to social distance, right? So it's kind of an admission right here of just what all this, this idea of social distancing, 50% capacity, right? 30% capacity, that's safe. But if you have full capacity on your businesses, you're killing grandma, you're killing everybody. Hmm. Hmm. Right, we got a we got a super chat over here. We got super chat from the super chat. Aaron the big black dude. What's up, Aaron? Aaron the big black dude donated ten bucks to prove he's not racist. Uh, donated ten bucks. Says all hail the bigot king. Signed up for the Rockfin just for you. May do premium real soon. Hope to see what new content will come from it. Right on, dude. Right on. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. Got to pull up that Rockfin tab, you guys. There's a, a link for the Rockfin over there. Only a few people watching on Rockfin right now. All the all the bigots are watching on YouTube. All the bigots are watching on the YouTube. 
simple casting on Rockfin. Pull up Rockfin. Check out Rockfin. We can say what we need, what we want on Rockfin. So we'll be doing some uh, some exclusive stuff over there, exclusive premium content over there. You make a free account and you can watch the free content. And then if you want to get access to the premium content, which is to come, or if you like supporting the work we do here, upgrade to the subscription over there on Rockfin. All right, here we go. We got another super chat from DB. What's up, DB? DB donated five bucks. Says, Shad Pupu wants you to turn yourself into fertilizer to shave mommy earth like a good global citizen. That sounds right. Sounds about right. Sad Pupu calls him. <laughs> you guys get it? Instead of guru, he said Pupu. It's like a play on words, you know? Uh, if you... If you guys, it's really, it's highbrow stuff. You probably wouldn't understand. You guys are too. You guys are, you simpletons wouldn't get the joke. It's because his name is Sadguru, but he put Sadpupu as his name. Like poop. You get it? Jessica gets it. You get it? Get it. All right, she gets it. Thank you very much, DB. Thank you, Aaron. You guys are much appreciated. We get, sometimes we get some support from the uh, from the bigots up in the chat. Thank you guys for supporting. All right, here we go. So overpopulation makes social distancing tough to enforce. I mean, well, this fits right in with the uh, what we see in the changing images of man talking about gradualism. We're talking about the importance of ritual as well, right? The, the, the shutting down of the businesses. Oh, now you can open up at 30% occupancy, 50% occupancy, right? And then in the schools, there were the, the famous images of the schools with all the desks with like X's on them. Yeah, and then the little plastic visor, right, to train everybody to be constantly looking through the plastic screens, looking at the world from their plastic bubble. You're so bad. You're so bad for the planet. In fact, you're so bad for the planet. If you don't put a face diaper on, if you don't put a diaper on your face, you're going to make everybody sick because you're just a little bipedal bioweapon who's wrecking the planet with... His exhalations. That's what they're teaching children with this. And overpopulation makes social distancing tough to enforce because of overpopulation. But no, don't worry. Don't worry. America's COVID population implosion. And we talked about this a few weeks ago or maybe like a month ago. How this was expected. Right? Not a baby boom, but a baby bust. And the baby bust isn't just because people are so freaked out. They're economically pinched. It's not just because, you know, they're being destroyed by weaponized pop culture. It's because also... Right? It's not just the, the drugs. It's not just the pop culture. It's not just the, the promiscuity being promoted in the culture. Also, physically, people are more sterile. People are infertile physically now, which is crazy, right? The sperm counts are astronomically lower than they were a few years back. The sperm counts have decreased, what was it, like 90% plus in Western men? Sperm counts are in the gutter. The viability of eggs in women has decreased. Right? So our fertility, the possibility of even becoming pregnant, of couples even conceiving, has decreased dramatically. Right, And this is by design. Right, If you look at eco-science, Eco-science book we were reading from earlier, Paul Ehrlich 
John P. Holdren. John P. Holdren was the White House science are under Obama. They talk about forcibly sterilizing people in the water supply, putting sterilants in the water supply. Now what do we see? We see tons of xenoestrogens, right? These plastic, these ty different types of plastics that are super, super reactive hormonally in humans and all animals. Right, you see the testicle size and the, uh, the genitalia size on all mammals decreasing. The fertility rates in all mammals decreasing. Right, the, the people who are doing this stuff, the people who are putting out all this plastic junk, the people who are selling you all this industrial kibble, the people who are spraying you know, uh, uh, chemical pesticides and fertilizers everywhere, the people who are using, who are putting out uh, ast uh, atrazine and glyphosate, which destroy our health and destroy fertility, these people are going to say, no, we're going to save the planet. We're so green, right? Monsanto's so green. Bill Gates is so green. We're going to save the planet. Now, oh, what a surprise. Uh, there's a population implosion happening after COVID. Many thought that the government-imposed lockdowns of 2020 might result in a temporary reprieve of the United States falling birth rates. Unfortunately, it appears that this will not be the silver lining of COVID-19 after all, right? Now, the promiscuity that is promoted in the culture, right? Cardi B and all this shit. All this, the, the terrible, toxic, weaponized pop culture, the music that the kids are being exposed to now puts them in this mindset that promiscuity is great, Right, whap, you gotta flap that whap all over the place. All right, your sex is your currency, right? Sexuality is just, it's like candy, right? Sex is just like candy. You just go out, you have a little bit of candy, you stop at the corner store, you grab a bag of M&Ms. All right, sex is treated like, it's just recreation. It's it's divorced. The sexual acts have become divorced. I'm not having any difficulty. How are you? Again, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. <laughs> so, a little toxic masculinity there from our vegan friend, Hench Herbivore. Um, now, sexuality, the sexual act, divorced from family creation, divorced from procreation. Right now... That creates later on in life an inability for women to pair bond. The more partners a woman has, especially in her younger years, the more difficult it is for her to ever have a fulfilling relationship. This is why it's so hard for people to actually find somebody that they want to have a family with now. People have, they don't have an ability to pair bond. They've had sex with so many partners they're completely, they're completely traumatized by this. And this is weaponized. The pop culture is weaponized. The pop culture is constantly giving you the message of sterilize yourself, right? You are just, you are sexual candy. You live in VR reality, right? The greatest thing you can be is a hypersexual, you know, hypersexual money earner. Right, the, the OnlyFans culture now, right? Everyone's up on OnlyFans. Or even we mentioned Cardi B earlier. Wasn't she making like, oh, look at Cardi B. She made a million dollars on OnlyFans. <laughs> and so there are a lot of reasons the fertility rates are going down. One of them is cultural. Just one of them is cultural. That's it's a huge aspect, but also the physical aspects as well. Um, 
How human extinction would change the earth. Sciencefocus.com. If our species disappeared tomorrow, what would actually happen? And what kind of planet would we be leaving behind? So all these musings, the apocalyptic musings, oh, man's going to become extinct and nature can flourish and the planet will heal. It'll be so great. It'll be so amazing when man is just gone. When man is gone. Why the future doesn't need us. Why the infamous 2000 Wired magazine article from Bill Joy. Remember, Bill Joy of Sun Microsystems. This isn't just some random writer. This is a guy deep in the Silicon Valley elite, working with DARPA on many projects. Why the future doesn't need us. Our most powerful 21st century technologies, robotics, genetic engineering, and nanotech are threatening to make humans an endangered species. So this whole thing is about why this is a good thing. This is a really good thing. Bill Joy says, from the moment I became involved in the creation of new technologies, their ethical dimensions have concerned me. But it was only in the autumn of 1998 that I became anxiously aware of how great are the dangers facing us in the 21st century. I can date the onset of my unease to the day I met Ray Kurzweil. Right now, Ray Kurzweil, working closely with Google, Ray Kurzweil and the transhumanist movement, working closely with DARPA. Now you got Elon Musk now talking about, well, we're going we're gonna to need a Neuralink, everyone. We're going to have to all put AI in our body because AI is so powerful. It's so powerful. It's like a god. So we got to put the AI in our body so that, we can, uh, so that it can't control us. The only way we can beat it is putting ourselves and melding with it. <laughs> it's so powerful, we have to become it. Now, so even, uh, Bill Joy even mentions his work with, with DARPA. Here. After a few years at Berkeley, I started to send out some of the software I had written, an instructional Pascal system, Unix utilities, and a text editor called VI. I'm not having any difficulty. Blah, blah, blah. Again, I'm bigger than you. I'm... He says, uh, these adventures in software eventually turned into the Berkeley version of the Unix operating system, which became a personal success disaster. So many people wanted it that I never finished my PhD. Instead, I got a job working for DARPA, putting Berkeley Unix on the internet and fixing it to be reliable and run, run large research applications as well. So the internet, right? ARPANET started out as ARPANET. The internet has always been this utopian, transhumanist slash mass communication and social control tool from its inception, which is why DARPA hired this guy. He didn't even finish his PhD. Right to working for DARPA out of Berkeley. Okay, so... Now, this whole article, the future doesn't need us. Humans are going to be extinct. Oh, what a great joy. Oh, joy, oh, joy, oh, joy. So this is Sun Microsystems, right? Unix operating system, working for DARPA. Bill Joy is not just some kook. All right, and now, of course, this fits right in with the narrative that we've seen going way back. I'm going way back to Malthus. Human beings are a plague on the earth. So David Attenborough, human beings are a plague on the earth. Humans are a plague on the earth that need to be controlled by limiting population growth. According to Sir David Attenborough, this is by, by Louise Gray, environmental correspondent. Huh? Human beings? The scourge of the earth. So here we go. David Attenborough, right? Another one of these uh, major cultural figures. You know, anytime... Somebody thinks of any time someone hears his voice, they think about oh, beautiful, pristine nature. Right? They think about the Planet Earth documentaries. They think about 
all the beautiful animals. You think about him narrating the beautiful footage in 4K, high definition, shots of the animals, being animals, oh, these are your distant cousins. Look at the monkeys. You used to be a monkey. Now you're so evolved that you understand you should just kill yourself to save the planet. <laughs> I am Dame Battenborough, and I am 93. I've had the most extraordinary life. It's only now that I appreciate how extraordinary. The living world is a unique and spectacular marvel. Yet the way we humans live on Earth is sending it into a decline. Oh, you're so bad. You human beings, you're so terrible. Oh, you're so bad. You're all so bad. Human beings are destroying the planet. We must get rid of ourselves. We watched that clip. We watched that clip on the last stream. So that, yeah, David Attenborough. The voice of nature. Right? That's how. That's how he. That's what he is. You know. You've got Morgan Freeman in the films, in the in the Hollywood films. He's he's the voice of God. Right now, you've got David Attenborough. He's the voice of nature, Mother Mother Nature. I'm speaking Guys, on behalf of Mammy Earth. If you want to be the big man, Mammy Earth. Daddy. Mammy Earth says you have to sterilize all yourselves. Oh, sterilize yourselves. I'm gonna stand up now. Ugh. So David Attenborough, David Attenborough, British elitist, right, with this rebranded eugenics talk. That's what it is. Well, there, there are too many people, but I, there are not too many of me, of course. There are not, not too many of Prince Philip's. This is my close friend, Prince Philip. He's not one of the extra people. Of course, you all are. Well, yeah, the, the British royal family, there are not too many of them, you know. Well, there are too many of you. There are too many of all you. There are too many, are too many Africans and South Americans and Asians. They just keep breeding and breeding. They refuse to stop having their babies. But we're so sophisticated. <laughs> Alright, we got, we got some support. Thank you, guys. Look at the bigots. The bigots are coming through now. The bigot bucks are coming through. We got Rubabados. Donated 10 bucks. Says, bye to Trump bucks. Hello to Biden bucks, brah. You guys, you guys are getting those Biden bucks? Man. Biden didn't send me any of those bucks. I got no Biden bucks. So we, gotta, we gotta rely on you guys for those Biden bucks. Send, send, those, send your Biden bucks over to... over through the Streamlabs. Go ahead and send those Biden bucks and we will, we will of course... we will of course make sure that all the extra people stop breeding. Yes? And all the Biden bucks and just send them our way. We'll we'll make sure to de decrease the human population through uh, through sterilizing everybody. Else. Thank you for supporting, guys. Thank you for supporting. We got we got a couple slow streams, but you know what? We do it for you guys, and you guys support us, and we appreciate that. We appreciate you guys. We got a Robabados with that nice donation there. John Connor with a nice donation. What's up, John Connor? Shout out to John Connor, coming at us from the future. John Connor donated five bucks. Says, have you heard of Anthony Patch? He predicted the Corona pandemic in 2014 to a T. He believes we are three years in tribulation, and the next four will be insane. Anthony Patch wasn't 
didn't he do a bunch of stuff about Philip K. Dick? Wasn't he real like obsessed with Philip K. Dick for a while? Was that Anthony Patch? I have heard of Anthony Patch. I don't. It must it must be like eight years or six or eight years since I've heard anything from him. But that's that's wild, man. That's wild, John Connor. I mean, you're from the future, so I guess you would know. Harry Serpanos donated ten bucks. Harry Serpanos, what's up, Harry? Thank you for the donation, man. I appreciate that. Ten dollars super chat says uh, these environmentalists in quotations destroyed both the Bushmen of the Kalahari. Turn their wives, uh, both the Bushmen and the Kalahari is what you're saying, turn their wives into prostitutes and remove the primary predator and degraded those dodgy national parks. Yeah, man. And, the, and, the, and they blame the African population. Oh, the African population, they just won't stop breeding, yes. yes oh, we, must, we must take up the, uh, take up the, the white man's burden as the, the British royals and, uh, you know, continue the work of Cecil Rhodes and completely dominating all of the resources in Africa. We are so evolved, and these people are just so they're, so... they're so terrible. These terrible, primitive people, they keep having their babies. Now, they, they, they systematically destroy cultures, and just like you said, they turn their women into prostitutes. And this is... Look what they're doing in the West. Right? It, it, it comes home. It comes home, too, doesn't it? It's sad. It's sad. When you look at what happened in the Soviet Revolution, you look at what happened in the, uh, the 1917 Revolution... Leading up to that, you saw a lot of the same cultural threads that we see here. All right, sexual liberation, very liberal divorce laws, weaponized divorce laws in order to intentionally break up the families, creating a greed-based culture where it's incentivized to break up families. Right, and this, is, this is an old practice, right? When the Romans would take over and dominate a people, they would strive to turn their men into, we'll say, effeminate, uh, effeminate sodomites, and then they would want to turn the women into prostitutes. That's how you stop the spread of a culture. That's how you destroy a culture. All right, so these, these environmentalists, like the World Wildlife Fund, right, and all, everything that the British royals get involved in, everything that the Anglo-American Empire puts its dirty little nihilist hands on Ends up the same, doesn't it? Ends up the same. All right, so anyways, this is why we're always saying eat meat, make families, right? Stop eating their kibble, right? Produce your own food. Not everybody can do that, or at least support local food producers. And teach your children the truth, right? Homeschooling your kids, pulling them out of the public indoctrination centers, pulling them out of the youth internment camps and educating them. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's going to create financial stress to a certain extent. But you know what? Your kids aren't going to be exposed to all sorts of madness and lies. Yeah, yeah you might be poor and your wife might be sitting next to you knitting and calling it crocheting. Knitting a... Knitting... What is, what is that? Square? It's going to be a... Like oh, a basket. Knitting baskets, right? You might, your wife might have to knit baskets... You might, have to, you might have to remind the bigots in your chat to freaking support the stream. If you like the stream, don't take it for granted. Support the dang stream. All right, but homeschooling. Am I teaching your children the truth? What just happened? Why does it say it's not live? The Rockfin stream says it's not live. We might have... Hold on now. 
Hold on now. It says it's online over here on this. There we go. Sorry over there on Rockfin. We had a little we had a little break, but we're back. Yeah, someone says the quality here seems to be better than on YouTube over on Rockfin. Yeah, I don't I don't know. We had a we had a little break there. Maybe when the, the stream maybe it got choppy from the output and I didn't realize. But yeah, we're we're back live now on Rockfin. <laughs> Ramona Chalaru. Thank you. Jan World says, love that I can watch you on here. I hate YouTube. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys can watch over on Rockfin. I don't know how long. How long did it cut out for? Let me see. Hold on. All right. Thank you. Jan in the world says, love us. All right. We weren't... We weren't cut off for too long there on Rockfin. So there you go. Just another reminder, guys. We are we are simulcasting over there on Rockfin. So support the stream and pull up a tab and go over and check it out on on Rockfin. You can use the uh, you can use the chat here on YouTube and just pull up another tab on Rockfin. It's free to make an account, and then if you want access to premium content, which later on we're going to be doing more premium content over there. We'll be doing some exclusive interviews and whatnot, <clears throat> talking about some topics that are a little bit more, uh, less able to uh, speak freely about, we'll say, on YouTube, which is a joke of a platform now. So check it out over on Rockfin. There's a link down in the description below. All right, thank you very much. John Connor, John Connor over there on the, uh, on the Streamlabs says, did you hear Greta Thunberg is pen pals with Ted Kaczynski? Dude, I heard that. I heard that. What's up with that? I thought that was just a meme. Is that true? Is that true? Apparently, Greta Thunberg and Ted Kaczynski are pen pals according to just some comments on the internet. Now, I don't know if, I doubt it. I think that's, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if that's real. I doubt that's real. Uh, we'll see if anybody can confirm that. It sounds like a meme. That sounds like a meme. All right. All right. Here we go. The unprecedented impact we're having on the planet is not only putting the ecosystems we rely on at risk. Scientists believe that our destructive relationship with nature is actually putting us at greater risk of pandemic diseases. We've seen an increasing rate of pandemic emergence. What do you want? We found swine flu, SARS, Ebola, and we've actually looked back over every emerging disease and said, where did it originate on the planet? And what are the things going on there? that could have caused it. And we found we're behind every single pandemic. And it's human impact <laughs> on the environment. That... Oh, we are, you were the problem. Every single pandemic. Oh, we was, uh, was, uh, there's so many people. We're going to make all the diseases. and It's going to kill you all. Oh, so, so, so. Come on. Grass emerging diseases. Animals have lots of different viruses that circulate in... What the hell is this? Where's your British accent? I don't believe a thing you say. 
with that American accent. You sound like a retard with that accent. Give me, give me a British man. If I'm listening to science, that science better have a British accent. Inside their bodies, just like we do. And so one of the most obvious ways that we're making it more likely that a virus would jump is that we're having lots of contacts with animals. Oh, we we're, we're touching, look, we're having contact with animals. We, we, you dirty little humans keep touching animals. Stop contact, having contact with the animals. <laughs> the wildlife trade is at unprecedented levels. We have huge markets with tens of thousands of live animals shedding their viruses through feces. So, of course, this started at the very beginning of the pandemic, right? Let's, we're going to blame it. It's the, the wet markets, right? People, people was eating that bat soup. And Chinese people was eating the bat soup. And that gave them the COVID, and it's going to give you the cancer. If you eat the animals, it gives you the cancer. It's destroying the mammoth earth, hurting mammoth earth. Come on. Come on. I mean, this, this narrative has been completely destroyed. Right? All the uh, gain-of-function research. Right? Like, these, these, this, is, uh, this is a very discredited narrative. But, of course, oh, look, this guy, look at him. He's got a goat. He's touching that goat. He's... <laughs> That's why we have diseases, because people are, people are around animals. Animals should only be around animals. We, we claim that people are just animals, but people being around animals is bad. <laughs> they want it both ways, right? They want it both ways. They want to separate humanity from nature somehow, but then say that man is just a uh, product of nature. It's a very schizophrenic worldview. You're being killed in front of you. These are incredible places for viruses to spread. And we're connected to that trade through things like the fashion industry. We've seen this huge increase in the use of fur trims for winter jackets. And that means... So they've destroyed mink farming. Where was this? Denmark? Denmark and I think in Greece as well. Force cold all the mink population. They were, of course, they were, you could test Mountain Dews. Right, we had we had Mountain Dews testing positive for the coof. We had Mountain Dews testing positive. We had we had Coca Cola testing positive. You had goats, papayas testing positive. The president of Tanzania who just got knocked off this week. Right, the president of Tanzania, one of the only African leaders to stand up for his country against IMF lockdowns, disappeared for a while and then now he's dead. Yeah, he tested. A papaya, it was like a pawpaw, I think it's something related to a, pa a papaya, and a goat and motor oil, and the pawpaw and the goat. Positive. All right, so they did the same thing. They went and they tested all the mink. Oh, look at this. The mink have got the coof. And they forced cold all the mink, destroyed the mink industry. Now, these are people's livelihoods. Now, these are people's rural livelihoods. And, of course, what's going to happen to all that rural land? What happens to all that rural land when farmers are insolvent, when they can't bring their products to market, right? when slaughterhouses are shut down? Guess what? Farmers go bankrupt. Guess what? When they go bankrupt, guess what they got to do? They got to sell their land for cheap. Guess who gets to buy that land? These banks. Guys like Bill Gates, too. You know, Bill Gates owning 30% of the arable farmland in the United States now. You think that's a coincidence? Thousands of thousands of animals about bread and fur farms you have large densities of animals put in a situation with a lot of people. 
To make things worse, those animals are very stressed. And we know that animals that are stressed shed viruses. And of course, you know, they, they, they'll take the straw man of, oh, look, there's some, some of these animals are mistreated. Look at these animals in small cages. Therefore, nobody should have any animals. Therefore, nobody should be allowed to have sheep or goats or cattle. Right, we got to get rid of all your livestock. Look how mean this is. It's so bad. Or they tell you that deforestation is because of animals and livestock, which is a total lie. The most valuable thing on that land are the minerals. The minerals, the oil, the gold, and the silver. Now, watch, watch them lie. You see, you see right up here that big red area? That's been mined. That's been mined. See, all that earth has been completely stripped of its minerals. Right? This area has been totally strip mined. Guess what happens after that? After they mine these areas, then the land is basically useless. They sell off the expensive lumber. They've sold off the gold and the silver, the platinum, the resources that they can pull from strip mining the land. Then, after selling off the lumber, after selling all the minerals, then what can you do with it? I guess you run cattle on it, right? Or you grow soy on it. You know, so then they'll sell it for cheap. Well, not even cheap. Big landowners will purchase it, rent it out to farmers who will then grow soy for Monsanto or they will grow palm oil. Right? And then the World Economic Forum, the WWF, they'll say, oh, look, at the, oh, much of the, the deforestation is being done for livestock. The livestock is there after the land has been stripped of its wealth. Then the livestock come, and then people come and they'll run cattle on it. Or they'll grow soy. It's not done for the livestock. It's done for the minerals. It's done for the gold. It's done for the silver. Which you can see right here in this image. But watch them lie. Guarantee this is what they're going to say. Great. We are encroaching further and further every day into wildlife habitat. 31% of all emerging diseases have originated through the process of land use change. How the hell do you quantify that? 31% of all diseases are because of land use change. <laughs> Forests around the world where there's a lot of biodiversity have thousands of viruses that we've never come into contact with yet. The minute we build a road in there, we start getting exposed. The first people into those logging camps go out and hunt bushmeat and pick up the viruses. That's how HIV emerged. Then we bring our livestock in. Viruses move from wildlife into livestock into people. Wait, how did HIV emerge? Pick up the viruses, that's how HIV emerged. That is we a total lie. The first people into those logging camps go out and hunt bushmeat and pick up the viruses, that's how HIV emerged. That's how HIV emerged. <laughs> HIV. That's, that's how HIV emerged, okay. Then we bring our livestock in. Here you go. Viruses move from wildlife into livestock into people. At every step of the process, <laughs> we're bringing people closer in contact with wildlife oh. and their viruses. Oh, the, people should not be in contact with wildlife, right? This is what the BBC, the royal family, all the eco-fascists want to tell you. Oh, you just If you come in contact with wildlife, that's bad. You're destroying the, the planet. The earth is dying because you touched the animals. You shouldn't be able to be in contact with the natural world because you're unnatural and bad. It's easy to imagine that we're so far away from these diseases' origins that it's nothing to do with us. But we drive it, actually. Our consumption of beef drives this. 
our consumption of poultry and the products that are used in poultry drives this. Oh, you guys eating meat drives this. You gotta eat the, you gotta eat the kibble. We've been saying for 20 plus years that this exploitation of our environment is driving. And they keep showing the results of strip mining, right? They keep showing the results of industrial mining. Oh, it's because you're livestock. It's because you're livestock. In pandemics, but what we didn't think was it was going to happen so quickly and so devastatingly. All right, so David Attenborough, I want to get back to David's voice. Where's David? Is he going to finish the video? Live with that. Nope, nope, just they got like two sentences from Attenborough in the beginning. David Attenborough has been exploring the planet. We've got Anderson, Anderson Coomer here, the world famous Anderson Coomer. We've got Anderson Coomer, who's a Vanderbilt, right? Anderson Cooper Vanderbilt. <laughs> this guy, he started off. Now he doesn't work there anymore, but he started off with a, uh, he started off with an internship at the Central Intelligence Agency before he got into media. Now what he does now obviously has nothing to do with any of that and his uh, you know, former affiliations with the Central Intelligence Agency. That's that's in the past. Now he's in the media. You know, totally different gig. Uh, Anderson Coomer, who's a who's a freaking Vanderbilt, right? Like one of the the most wealthy families in the world. You know, this this heiress, young heiress, Anderson Coomer, taking hundreds of millions of television viewers on eye-opening journeys through the natural world, jungles and island archipelagos, deserts and deep under the sea. No place has been too remote, no animal too elusive for Sir David and his talented team of filmmakers to document. The man known as a national treasure in his native Britain is 94 years old now, but age and the pandemic haven't slowed him down. He's coming out with a new book and a remarkable and stunning new film, A Life on Our Planet, which premieres on Netflix next week. They are what he calls a witness statement first-hand account of what he's seen happen to the planet and a dire warning of what he believes awaits us if we don't act quickly to save it. The story will continue in a moment. Look, the, the, the repetition of imagery too, right? People, they see that 60 minutes, oh, this is truth, right? This is deep journalism. This is the, these are the real issues in the world. All, the, all these boomers, they think this is, this is the truth. Right, like all, all your dads, all your dads, they see this. Act quickly to save it. They see this and it's like. The story oh. will continue in a moment. Oh, truth is coming. <laughs> Start looking at the, and 60 minutes, right? These 60 minute segments, these are, these are just PR blurbs. These are, these are press releases, right? Bill Gates pays hundreds of thousands of dollars to get Anderson Coomer to interview him, to basically read off of a script and run PR for him. That's what this is. Come on, this isn't, this isn't journalism. This is, this is PR. It's public relations. This is advertisement. It's worldview warfare. It's worldview formation. With the idea of Weltanschauungskrieg. Weltanschauungskrieg is the, uh, the worldview warfare is the term that the Germans during the World War II era would use. Right, and mass media, repetition of images, right, using people, right, using characters. I mean, David Attenborough, this guy, he's, a, he's like Mickey Mouse. He's a cartoon character, basically. 
for all intents and purposes, I mean, nobody is, none of the people who are watching him, who are looking up to him, who are idolizing him, who believe that he's just, he's going to save the planet. None of these people have ever met this man. None of these people will ever meet this man. This man thinks you're scum. He thinks you're terrible. He thinks you're the, you're, you're the, the dregs. He thinks you are the extra people. He straight up calls us extra people. Every extra person is only another victim of climate change. All the extra people. All these extra people are just victims of the climate. The climate needs to stop changing. Yes. He thinks, he thinks you're terrible. But these people, they think is, this is like their dad. This is my daddy. He's my grandpa. Right? This, is, this is Mammy Earth's grandpa right here. And he's, he's just going to tell it like it is. Look how beautiful nature is. Oh, but you're so bad. You're destroying it. <laughs> you're not allowed to touch this. He can go look at it. Go film it with these HD cameras that are, you know, use all the mined minerals that are strip mined from the forests of Africa, South America, and Asia. He's going to use all the lithium batteries, the cobalt batteries that use African slave labor to harvest from pit mines, little nine-year-old boys digging it out. Uh, but you're, you shouldn't even be able to, to, to touch these things. These birds, these are pure and good. You're dirty and bad. Like, this is the new image of man. The changing images of man, as SRI said, as SRI said, uh, uh, said they wanted to do, to change the image of man. His place in the cosmos, his place past, present, and future. This is what they're doing. You go from being, you're no longer made in the image and likeness of God. They tell you, no, you're made in the image and likeness of, uh, of death, right? You, you, should be, you should be cold, right? And if there were less of you, all of this could flourish. But because you're breathing, because you're living, because your disgusting little human eyes are witnessing this, that means that you're victimizing beautiful nature, right? And nature is separate from you. Nature is good. Humanity is bad. Humanity isn't at the center of creation. Humanity is not made in the image and likeness of God with a special place in the cosmos, right? You know, humanity is, is bad and your original sin is just being human. Just being human is the new original sin in the, in the, in the, uh, in the religion of scientism. You breathing, your exhalations, bad for the earth. The living world is a unique and spectacular marvel. The living world is a unique and spectacular marvel. What do we know but the living world? Right? This is like, oh, it's this unique, the living world is this unique, distant thing that you only watch through, through the lens that we show you. The living world is this thing that's out there. It's this very rare and, 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 and unique thing. The living world is everywhere. <laughs> This is, <laughs> this is his first line. Watch, how long? I, I bet it's not even 30 seconds before, before the guilt trip starts. The living world is so, so beautiful and rare, but it's dying because of you. In his new film, Sir David Attenborough's voice is the same. Sonorous and soulful, reassuringly familiar. Reassuringly <laughs> familiar, because... We've been brainwashing you with his voice for several generations now. Dazzling in their variety and richness. But his message is uncharacteristically alarming. The way we humans live on Earth is sending it into a decline. Human beings have overrun the world. We're replacing the wild with the tame. Our planet 
is headed for disaster. You call the film a witness statement. A witness statement is given when a crime has been committed. Yeah, when a crime has been committed. And, uh, and it so happens that, that I'm of such an age that I was able to see it beginning. And I'm sorry, just that I enjoy saying doom, doom, doom. On the contrary, <laughs> That's racism, man. I love to racism. I like to say doom, doom, doom. That's all I say, Roxanne. What's up, Roxanne? Down here, $5.55. Roxanne, thank you very much. Roxanne, yeah, this stream is supported by users like you. Viewers like you. Roxanne, John Connor, Henry Serpanos. John Connor again. Arbabados, DB, Aaron the Big Black Dude, Exposing Powerful Lies, Hot for Health, Rory Holland, and Rubun. That's who brings you these streams. That's who keeps these streams going, guys. Right? That's who cares about these streams. That's who enjoys this content enough to support it. Right? We appreciate it. We appreciate the big donations, the small donations, all those donations. They all add up and they keep this channel alive. If you guys don't keep this channel alive, guess what happened? The channel dies like, like Mother Nature. Like, like Mammy Earth, the channel, without your contributions, will die. Roxanne donates 555, says, I think the best thing anyone can do now is have a family, build an earthship home, have a homestead, hunt, build a community if you can. Don't let them take more control of the land. We must take control. Thank you for spreading the truth. Yeah, I, do, I definitely think as far as, you know, just... Living in the world, what we're going to have to move towards is moving back to rural areas, right? Moving out of the cities, right? Getting real skills, producing food locally, supporting local food producers if we can, right? And uh, not everybody can move into a rural area, but people can support local food production. People can get used to uh, living a little bit more simply, right? Before we finally moved. On our own spot, we lived in a really small, terribly moldy house for eight years, right? And before that, we were living in like a little cubby, a Jana 21 style converted, uh, converted shipping container house that was like just a tin can for a few years just to save up to try to get to where, to where we're at now, you know? And it's like we, we, we live a simple life. Right, the simplicity. Right? We shouldn't be so concerned with um, these these crazy ideas of technological progress. We got we all got to move to Silicon Valley, and we just we just got to get at the we got to be at the cutting edge of of um, the the technological fourth industrial revolution. We we're all gonna we got to get we got the blockchain is gonna change the world, man. I'm, I'm not into all that. I think you know going back to simple skills. Right, like uh, Jessica weaving and pretending it's called crocheting, um, you know, like uh, being able to produce our own food. These are things that we're going to have to work on, and uh, I think you're right. You know, starting a family is why we say eat meat, and make families. Right, get off the kibble, get off the kibble, get out of the degenerate cities, and uh -oh. stream stop again. Get off the kibble, get out of the degenerate cities. And we're going to have to kind of go, not back as in like regressive, right? There's this idea of like linear progress, 
right? The, the culture is just progressing in this linear fashion and it's going from this really primitive state to this like super awesome, great, advanced state. And that's like, no, we're, 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 re, we're degenerating as a culture. We've degenerated. We have degenerated so much as a culture, it's absurd. All right, we've created a carnival culture, right? this demonic Mickey Mouse global McMono culture. And we've degenerated our health as well. We've degenerated the health of our communities. We've degenerated our physical health. And we've created a situation that is highly destructive. Highly destructive for ourselves personally, highly destructive for our culture, for our ability to actually, you know, pass on real skills to our children. So we gotta we gotta reskill ourselves. Right? Silicon Valley wants you to reskill, learn to code. Learn to code. No, I think we we should be learning other things. We should be learning simple things that we should have learned a long time ago. How to how to build a motor, how to repair a vehicle. How to perform open heart surgery on a chicken. <laughs> you know, just basic stuff, you know, how to keep animals, how to build basic structures. And clean water, clean air, clean food. These are the, the basics, these are important. Yeah. Gregory Campbell, shout out to Gregory Campbell over there on uh, over there at Rockfin, sent the first tip. He tipped on Rockfin. Thank you, Gregory Campbell. I appreciate that. Sent a tip on Rockfin. Much appreciated, man. You guys remember, we're simulcasting over there on Rockfin. We're trying to get this, trying to actually fund this channel, trying to actually fund the work we do here. Remember, you guys, you guys fund this, right? You guys fund this. We got supporters like Roxanne, John Connor, Arba Bados, DB, Aaron the Big Black Dude, Exposing Powerful Lies, Hot for Health, Rory Holland, I think that's most of them. Streamlabs doesn't show all the all the comments, but you guys kept the stream alive today, all right? We get we got some uh, got a donation over there from Gregory Campbell as well on Rockfin. So Rockfin allows us to actually monetize the channel. They allow tips. You guys can send tips on Rockfin, and if you sign up for a subscription, that actually benefits us. That comes to us as well. So we're simulcasting on Rockfin, and there's a link for Rockfin's thing over here in the description and in the chat on YouTube. All right, so back to, back to Attenborough. Crime, it's a crime. Ooh, it's being gaslighted. Come and speak to someone, make friends. Make friends. The, the uh, thank you, DB. DB says, end the stream with a laugh. You got a, got a video for the end of the stream. There we go. We will. Ah, we will. We're gonna, we're gonna finish up here with, with Sir David Attenborough. David Attenborough. <laughs> It's a crime. It's a crime has been committed. Thrill, excitement, pleasure, joy. Joy, joy, joy. Oh, joy, But joy, if you've joy, got any joy. sense of responsibility, you can't do that. Sir David spoke to us via Zoom near his home in London, where he's been living in isolation due to the pandemic. I imagine you living in a house full of things that you have collected from travels around the world, a sort of cabinet of curiosities. Well, that is true, uh, in a sense. I mean, and certainly I've got a cellar full of rock. 
<laughs> lots of rocks. And sometimes you pick it up and you say, good Lord, what on earth is this? Or indeed, why on earth would I bother to pick this up? <laughs> he studied geology and zoology in college and was working as a producer at the BBC in 1954 when he convinced his bosses to let him loose and start traveling the world. He was just 28 years old. Wherever... Oh, just, just a grassroots grassroots guy, right? Traveling the world at 28 years old to make films for the BBC. <laughs> I went. There was wilderness. Dude, dude sir, dude's a lord. His, his brother is a lord, right? His brother was Lord Richard Attenborough. Member of the House of Lords. Come on. Forests. Immense grasslands. You could fly for hours over the untouched wilderness. It was the best time of my life. David Attenborough became a household name in 1979 his groundbreaking BBC series, Life on Earth, which was seen by an estimated 500 million people worldwide. And again, this, all he did was voice this. Now, this guy is not, this is not his series. This is a series that is produced and written by social engineers. I know it sounds like a publisher's slogan, but it is the greatest story ever told. I mean, it's a story of how life developed on this planet and led to you and me sitting here talking across an ocean. Viewers were drawn in by Edinburgh's enthusiasm and sense of wonder. This was his first filmed encounter with endangered mountain gorillas in Rwanda. It was really very unfair that man should have chosen the gorilla to symbolize all that is aggressive and violent. And that's the one thing that the gorilla is not, and that we are. Oh, a gorilla. <laughs> the gorilla is so noble. Look at it. Look at this gorilla. He's, he's, about, to, he's about to pull some poo-poo from his behind and eat it. We, we, are, the, we are gross, disgusting human beings. <laughs> I remember it very vividly. They ended up, two of them, sitting on it. Two of the babies sitting on it. Was I alarmed? Was I frightened? Was I concerned that the mother of those two babies was going to turn on? Not at all. Not for a microsecond. It was the biggest compliment I can remember receiving. You were, you were being accepted into that family. And it was unforgettable. Unforgettable moments in the wild is what Sir David Attenborough has become known for. Boom! There's barely a corner of the earth he hasn't been to, or a species he hasn't shown us in a new way. He's done more than just bring the natural world into our homes. He's helped us make sense of it. They are on parade. Give it... Some of the footage says that footage took place in London Zoo. Wild gorillas are not that tame. Exactly, you can see the the big pile of like lettuce. They're they're eating what looked like uh, broccoli florets. You know, like the the outside leaves from broccoli. They had a pile of that. Those were those were tame animals. There's no. Oh, I just I would go out in the wild and I would just snuggle with a gorilla mother's babies, and I was, I realized they're so nice, but humans are so bad and mean. In it, a story. She's seen enough. Full of characters and complexity. Not to mention 
excitement. Take a look at this from BBC's Planet Earth 2. A snake's eyes aren't very good, so if the hatchling keeps its nerve, it may just avoid detection. And they act like he's out here filming all this. All he does is a voiceover. Attenborough's not out here waiting for the iguanas to come past the, the camera. He's not out there staging these shots. He's just doing the voiceover. He's reading script. I saw that on a plane, and I started talking to the person next to me in my seat, saying, you have to watch this. This is extraordinary. <laughs> they thought I was crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... The job of a narrator for natural history films is, is a great, is, is a bit of a doddle. I mean, a bit of a doddle, a bit of a, a piece of cake. How's that? <laughs> it's, it's really pretty easy, because the animals are so fantastic. Sir David has always been an animal advocate. In the early 1960s, he was a founding member of the World Wildlife Fund, but in his films, he rarely focused on the destruction of their habitat or climate change. You were skeptical of, of climate change. I think that's interesting because I think it makes your warnings now all the more powerful. Oh, yes, yes, this is what, this is what the PR firm has, has told me to say. <laughs> I'm skeptical. Yeah, yeah, certainly so. And, and if, you, if you're going to make a, a statement about the world, you better make sure this isn't just your own personal reaction. And the only way you can do it do that is to see the, the work of scientists around the world who are taking observations of what's happening. It's what's happening to temperature, what's happening to humidity, what's happening to radioactivity, and what's happening ecologically. You, you've said that, that climate change is the greatest threat facing the planet for thousands of years. Yes. Even the so, uh, my producer was told by the PR firm that sponsored this ad uh, to, to ask you <laughs> this exact question, worded in this exact way, with your quote. Because the most awful things that humanity has done, so-called civilizations have done, pale to significance uh, when you think of what could be around the corner unless we pull ourselves together. Oh, it could be, yes. It could be, oh, it could be coming. The climate, the climate is changing. The climate won't stop changing. All right, here we another, another little clip here. I can't stand Anderson Coomer. Sir David Attenborough and Mark Rose discuss how human population growth affects our natural world. So this is really this. There's nothing wrong with right, wanting to uh, not destroy our environment. There's nothing wrong with wanting to protect habitats, right? To protect a lot of these beautiful creatures out there. Absolutely nothing wrong with this. But the problem is the problem is the underlying worldview of these people who push this madness. It's humans are bad, humans are terrible, you guys are so destructive, you just existing is bad for the planet. Right? That's, that's what it is. It's, it's this, the reason anything bad happens in the world is because humans won't stop breeding. Right? It's this idea from these people who, these are the people who funded the 20th century eugenics movement, right? This is coming from, this is the British royals who are pushing this. This is Klaus Schwab pushing this. Right? This is, uh, Klaus Schwab didn't fund the early eugenics movement, but his father was, a, was a, an actual Nazi. His father worked for the, uh, the Nazis. Right? So Klaus Schwab, whose past is completely obscured, whose history is completely obscured, his father used to travel back and forth between Switzerland and Germany during World War II. 
right? The, the people like Bill Gates, right, whose father was heavily involved in Planned Parenthood, father involved in all sorts of population control movements throughout the 20th century, the Rockefeller Foundation, right, infamous population control, the Rockefeller Population Council, Henry Kissinger's National State, National Security State Memorandum 200, talking about the need to reduce the population in the so-called developing world so that they can control resources. These people do not care about protecting, uh, protecting animals. These people want to dominate humans. They despise humanity. So that's the problem. The problem is not, oh, it's so bad to... Uh, I'm not, we're not saying that it's bad to want to preserve the natural world, to want to preserve species and habitats... We're not saying that we want to preserve we don't want to preserve species. We're not saying that we don't want to stop the environmental devastation from a lot of these huge strip mining operations, right? Uh, that, that we don't want to stop the, uh, the use of all these industrial pollutants and chemicals that they're destroying our topsoil with. But what we're saying is, these are the very people. These are the very people. The people who are telling you we need to save the planet, humans are so bad for the planet, these are the people who are doing the most destruction. These are the people who are causing the most destruction environmentally are the environmentalists, right? Monsanto is, is so green, right? Bill Gates owns 500, or at least had, 500 million shares in Monsanto. One of the biggest shareholders of Monsanto, Bill Gates. He, he wants to save the planet, he just wants you to go green. Right? The British royals, responsible for destroying so many cultures. Right? Responsible for the destruction of subsistence farming in Africa. Destruction of some of the most important predator species in Africa. The British royals, they're, they're going to save the planet, right? Sir David Attenborough and Prince Philip, oh, they just want to save the planet. I'm Prince Philip, and I just want to save the planets by getting all the, all the little brown people to sterilize themselves. Yes. These people are insane. That's the problem. The problem is not, oh, environmentalism sucks. That's not the thesis. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is the environmental movement pivoted out of the eugenics movement, and these NGOs, these global banks, the World Wildlife Fund... Right, uh, the IMF. They say that they want to. They want to save nature, right? The Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, they just want to go green. They want to save the planet. No, they want to dominate the planet, and they want to dominate all industrial agriculture and industrialize everything and decrease the population and create what they call a zero growth economy, where they can control all human breeding, all human movement, and track and trace all of you like cattle. I can deal with the challenge of a natural world that's increasingly threatened, but a human population that quite rightly expects and deserves to have a better life? Well, um, the statistics are that by 2050, we'll have nine billion people in the world. <gasps> Most of that increase is gonna be in, in um, impoverished areas. So what we've got- in Impoverished areas, right? So impoverished means not yet industrialized. So everything that's not yet under the Anglo-American establishment is third world countries they call them right or developing nations nations that need to be developed 
meaning they need to be enveloped in a global McMono culture. Do now is try and identify those areas which are going to and 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 work to set up uh, mitigation programs to deal with them. Mm. Exactly. extermination programs. The increase in the human population is terrifying. Um, we know how it's going to grow, uh, and we know that the Earth is finite, uh, and uh, so. You, anybody who thinks you can have infinite growth in a finite, in a finite environment. You know, there are only so many resources, and we, we, just, we, we can live such a better life if we just decrease the human population, then we, we can all have more stuff, yes? Because life is just about having stuff. <laughs> this reductionist attitude, this materialist worldview leads to this, right? Life is just about the accumulation of stuff, Therefore, if there's less people to have stuff, I can have more stuff and my well-being increases. Um, is either um, an economist or mad. <laughs> there is one, one slender fragment of hope. Wherever a society has enabled women to have the control over their bodies. <laughs> you see how they, wherever, there's a, there's a glimmer of hope, you know, they don't, they don't say, wherever women are, are propagandized into institutionalized infanticide, you know, the population rates go down. No, it's wherever women have control over their bodies, right? Oh, you're so oppressed, women, kill your baby. You're so oppressed, just kill your babies. To have a political vote, to be literate, to have access to medicines, the medicines yes. force. And that applies everywhere. It, that can only be a reason for us to help us, to help societies that don't have those things, to get those things. Yes, we have to educate the world, right? So again, the, the take up the white man's burden. You know, this is, oh, as, as the British royals, we, we, the royal society must, must educate the entire world. We just get all the women educated, yes, and then we give them, give them a good, solid income and, and access to medicines, you know, abortions, and uh, we, can, we can save the planet, yes. And that's one powerful reason why any, any nation should take an international view about what it does in the world. It's the Royal Geographic Society. You know, the Royal Geographical Society. We're just we're so advanced. We just want to save you. I have no doubt that the fundamental source of all our problems, particularly our environmental problems, is population growth. Uh, I can't think of a single problem that wouldn't be easier to solve if there were less people. Uh, and. Um, All the problems in the world, there's too many people. The projections now... This is a demonic philosophy. Uh, ...are uh, awesome. In the time that I've been making natural history programs, which of course doesn't seem very long to me, the population of the world has tripled. Just in my lifetime, and less than my lifetime. Um, and we all know about geometric growth. 
Uh, and that, if, if we were able, which of course we can't, if we were able to stem it, we might have, be able to have a better chance to grapple with the problem we've got at the moment. But we can't. Uh, the best we can do is to slow down the rate of increase. We certainly can't stop it. I suppose the biggest uh, impact on human health I see is slums. Uh, slums in South America, slums in India, slums in uh, Africa. Um, huge areas occupied by people living, whole families in tiny little apartments uh, with no sanitation. Um, we just need to get rid of all these people, all these, pe all these little poor people. There's such a problem in the planet, it is. With it, it's just absurd. And of course we will. And of course we are doing it. I mean, uh, and, and the, the, the economic equations are changing all the time. I mean, people used to say, oh yes, well, we can get fresh water from seawater, but of course it's vastly expensive. It isn't so if you can actually get enough solar power to deal with it. And if you get enough water in uh, parts of the world that are now desert, and start watering the desert. And, and so is, it, is it a control of resources, right? Control of water, control of food. Oh, we just, oh, we just feed the whole planet. We, we will feed the whole planet. We will give them water. We will give them their rations. And making the desert bloom, you can change lots of things. At what stage as human beings... Uh, begin to understand about the problems of dense populations. And that's a job uh, for sociologists and other people who study these things to convince politicians of what they're doing. But convincing politicians is not enough. You have to convince electors. Uh, and there's, there has been, I think, I mean, a lot of people are very pessimistic and doom-laden and so on. Uh, and so that the Green Movement has got anywhere. The Green Movement has made huge strides. It is astounding, the effects of the Green Movement. The fact that, that, that governments are prepared to make sacrifices, to put in a policy... And, and, yes, and, the governments are prepared to make human sacrifices. I'm sorry, sacrifices. That's what it's about. It really is. It comes down to... This is the, the new civilised... the British way, as we were... We'll sell you on human sacrifice, but it's, it's women's rights, yes? You'll sacrifice your babies, but it's for, it's for the planet. It's for, it's for equality, yes? The Green Movement has been fantastic in reducing the population. He admits it. Right? People openly admit. The, the Green Movement has been so great at fighting over population. It's shown that governments are willing to make sacrifices. The, the, the governments are prepared to make sacrifices, put in a policy and in, in place a policy, the benefits of which will not be apparent for long, long <sighs> after their electoral period. That is a huge advance. Um, and uh, fair play to the electorate, it is the electorate that has demanded that they do that. Uh, the Green Party has demanded that they do that, and the Green Party has remarkable support. But even more important, perhaps, is the fact that there are green wings, as you might say, to every political party. No party now can get into power unless it can say something about... Well, again, I'm bigger and stronger than you, so I won't worry too much. I won't worry too much. For those who are concerned with educating uh, uh, the British electorate on, uh, on, on uh, environmental issues. 
Welcome <laughs> Trust is such a unique organization. Ah, now the Welcome Trust, right? Now the Welcome Trust, this is a pharmaceutical NGO, right? The Welcome Trust. Right? Oh, this is philanthropy. Yeah, this is the Welcome Trust. British pharmaceutical man is like the, the Pfizer of the British Empire. Yeah, the Welcome Trust works closely with Bill Gates, right? working with the World Resources Institute, working towards planetary dietary guidelines. We're going to give plant-based diets to everybody. Yes. The Welcome Trust... <laughs> The Welcome Trust, I, I, it's, it's pretty amazing that he, uh, that he talks about this. So uh, if you want, you can do a quick, a quick little search over there and see what the Welcome Trust is involved in. You can go and look at their donations. They're involved with the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, heavily involved in pushing the Greta Thunberg uh, climate crisis uh, uh, scam, fake grassroots movement in 2019. The Welcome Trust is another one of these kind of Ford Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation type NGOs. The Welcome Trust is such a unique organization. I mean, with the sort of income that it has and the sort of funds that it has. Lots of money. Um, and uh, thank God it has administrators who are wise uh, and who are scientists, which is the crucial thing, and not politicians. Uh, and there aren't lots of organizations, many organizations in the world that I can think of, of like that. So the, uh, if it's not unique, it's very nearly unique. And to have great economic power uh, and scientific insight is a, is a very powerful um, pairing that can be, could be and is very effective. We know it. I mean, it doesn't beat the, beat the drum about what it does, but actually the number of places where the, the welcome name is there are obtrusively at the bottom, whether it's dealing with cancer or whether it's dealing with educational problems and so on, is huge. And uh, uh, I don't know whether Sir Henry had any idea what he was going to do or, or how wealthy his foundation was going to become. But he certainly left a great... Um, a great boon to the world. It's a welcome trust. They work real closely with Bill Gates. 350.org. Yeah. Gates Foundation and the Welcome Trust have already changed the world for the better in so many ways. Now you can show them we desperately need, need their leadership on climate change. By divesting from fossil fuels, they can show the way to a better future in partnership with 350.org. <laughs> so... Again, it's the, the Greta Thunberg. These are the people behind Thunberg. Yeah, welcome trust. So yes, Attenborough. David Attenborough. David Attenborough. With the welcome trust, that's, that's big pharma money. That's British elite Anglo-American establishment, big pharma money. And these NGOs are the way they use this money to rebrand their social control, long-term social engineering gen agendas as philanthropy. And if you want to learn a little bit about the pivot from eugenics to so-called philanthropy and population control, Lily E.K.'s book, The Molecular Vision of Life, Caltech, The Rockefeller Foundation, and The Rise of the New Biology is a fantastic read. Um, the first half, especially, Talking about the uh, the major investments in social control made by these so-called philanthropists 
in an attempt to rebrand the eugenics movement as environmentalism. And this is not this is not, you know, some some crazy kook writing this. This is an MIT publication. Lily E.K. was a respected academic and uh yeah, may, may perhaps paid dearly for this as far as her uh, her her longevity uh went as far as your as far as your uh um well, that's what I'll say about that. You know, she did. She died rather young. She was working on another very important work when she passed away. Uh, Lily E. K. Caltech, the Rockefeller Foundation, and the Rise of the New Biology. Good book. Good book. We got we got a super chat over here. Super chat from the super chat. The Art of Truth and Love donated twenty five bucks. There we go. T tied for first place. I think tied for first place. We'll say tie for first place. Tie for first place, the super chatter. We've had a slow day tonight in the super chats, but the Art of Truth and Love, DB, Roxanne, John Connor, Henry Serpanos, uh, Aaron the Big Black Dude, Exposing Powerful Lies, Arbobados, and Hoffer Health are keeping this uh, chat alive. They're keeping this stream alive, keeping this channel alive. Art of Truth and Love donated 25 bucks. Says, I actually got roiped by markets, cryptos, and stocks today. No, I always support you, man. We got we got roiped victim. We got roiped. It's the the way the vegan way to say it is roiped. You gotta start roiping those animals, mate. Um, sorry to hear that, but glad to see you here. The art, truth, and love. Glad to see you. I think I saw you pop up in the chat earlier. In the uh, in the YouTube chat. Thank you, the art of truth and love. We appreciate that. Art, truth, and love. Thank you very much, you guys. Thank you for the support. Everybody who likes the stream, don't don't take the stream for granted. Show some support, like the like the arch bigots over there in the chat, like Art of Truth and Love, DB, Roxanne, John Connor, and company. You guys support these streams. You guys keep this channel alive. You guys keep this channel alive. Let me come over here and uh, big thank you to Gregory Campbell also. Throwing that tip out on Rockfin. Remember, we are also we're still streaming over on Rockfin as well. There's a link for the uh, the Rockfin simulcast. We're going to be doing some exclusive content on Rockfin. We've got to build up the subscriber base over there before we start doing that exclusive content on Rockfin. So, guys, go over there, subscribe on Rockfin. If you make if you make a you can watch the videos for free. The free content you can watch for free. All you got to do is make a account. All you need is an email to make the Rockfin account. And you can get access to tons of good content from other content creators as well. And, uh, and we'll, be doing, we'll be doing some really cool exclusive stuff over there. Some exclusive interviews, exclusive live streams. Maybe we'll do some call-in shows over there as well. So Rockfin, Rockfin's popping off. Thank you guys for supporting and for watching over on Rockfin as well. And if you want to support more, you can become a member at PrimalEdgeHealth.com. You can join our membership site. We do weekly coaching calls. You know, if you've got questions about diet health, lifestyle, if you just want a little bit of support over there, get in on our weekly coaching calls, become a member over there. We've got a few members in the chat. Got a few members in the chat here. All right, so here we go. We got, we got the last clip. David Amber on overpopulation. Here he is, of course, at the Royal Society. The Royal Society. When the WWF was founded, uh, talking about the WWF, of course, the WWF. Uh, Julian Huxley helped to start the World Wildlife Fund. Yeah, so he's not talking about he's not talking about Hulk Hogan. When the WWF started, we had 
Macho Man Randy Savage. One of the, one of the greatest contributions that uh, the American culture has given us is Macho Man Randy Savage. Showing exactly how to be toxically masculine. And, and actually, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage made, made a, a very little-known rap album as well. One of the best rap albums ever made was by Macho Man Randy Savage. No, no, he's, he's not talking about that WWF. He's talking about the World Wildlife Fund. You know, another one of these NGOs. The World Wildlife Fund. Oh, we just want to save nature. We're just going to save the wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> um, the World Wildlife Fund, another example of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right? World Wildlife Fund, responsible for displacing native peoples all over the world. Responsible for all sorts of environmental devastation in the name of conservation. Yeah, total scam, sham organization. Julian Huxley, open eugenicist, helped to start it. WWF. Just like UNESCO, <laughs> involved in all sorts of intrigue internationally, all sorts of madness. There were about three billion people on Earth. Now they're almost seven billion, over twice as many, and every one of them needing space. <laughs> every one of them needing space. Oh, they're all taking up our precious space. Space for their homes, space to grow their food, or get others to grow it for them. Space to build schools and roads and airfields. It's an inspirational Where music. Where did that come from? Who was that that put the inspirational music when we were talking about genocide, yes? Who's that inspirational genocide? This is for the planet. Little might be taken from land occupied by other people, but most of it could only come from the land which, for millions of years, animals and plants had had for themselves. <gasps> the natural world. The natural world. Man, man will displace the natural world with his dirty madness. But the impact of these... But of course, I will still have my estates. Yes? My, my friend Prince Philip and Prince Charles, the, they will still continue to drink the raw milk from the Queen's herds, but... We're going to have to feed all these people industrial kibble, yes? Some millions of people have spread far beyond the space that they physically claim. The spread of industrialization has changed the chemical consistency of the atmosphere. The oceans that cover most of the surface of the planet have been polluted and increasingly acidified. And the Earth is warming. We now realize that the disasters that continue increasingly to afflict the natural world have one element that connects them all. The unprecedented increase in the number of human beings on the planet. Oh, everything! It's all because there of you. The prophets who've warned us of this impending disaster, of course. One of the first was Thomas Balthus. <laughs> His most important book, an essay of the principle of population, was published over 200 years ago in the 70s. So Malthus, completely pseudoscientific, proved totally wrong. And look, and of course, he's got Prince Philip. This is Prince Philip over here in this chair next to him. Right, Malthus said that he put fruit flies in a jar, right? Thomas Malthus, 
was an Anglican, I think it was a minister, an Anglican minister. He put fruit flies in a jar and he said, look, these fruit flies in a jar don't have enough space and they'll die and they'll run out of space. Therefore, we have to limit the population growth of human beings. He, Malthus actually, he, he said that we should put people in industrial slums and kill them, right? We should put them in crowded, shitty industrial cities and kill them with exposure to toxins. <laughs> like I said, I mean, this, is, this, is, this is Malthus. This is who he's, this is the exalted, the king of climate change, right? The original overpopulation chicken little. Fundamental truth that Malthus proclaimed remains the truth. There cannot be more people on this earth that can be fed. They would like to believe in that oxymoron, sustainable growth. Kenneth Bowling, President Kennedy's environmental advisor 45 years ago, said something about this. Anyone who believes in indefinite growth in anything physical, on a physically finite planet, he said, is either mad or an economist. <laughs> the population of the world is now growing by nearly 80 million a year. One and a half million a week. A quarter of a million a day. 10,000 an hour growing. In this country, it's projected to grow by 10 million in the next 22 years. All these people in this country and worldwide, rich or poor, need and deserve food, water, energy, and space. Will they be able to get it? Oh! I don't know. I hope so. You may have seen the government's foresight report on the future of food and it shows how hard it is to feed the seven billion of us who are alive today. Oh, it's so hard. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna have to work so hard to feed all of us. I'm gonna have to work so hard. Oh, I'm gonna have to feed all the world. Skip forward a little bit. One who privately disagrees with the population. We can all see that every global problems, and see that population is clearly one of the drivers that underlies them all and yet find no reference to this obvious fact in any of them. Climate change tops the environmental agenda at present. We all know that every additional person will need to use some carbon energy, if only for firewood for cooking. Well, every person will have to use some of my resources, yes. And will therefore create more carbon dioxide. Though, of course, a rich person will produce vastly more than a poor one. Oh, more, more people becoming rich. They're going to use even more resources. Only, only we should be allowed to do this. It's, really, it's, it's crazy. These people have a God complex. right? These people, they, they say there is no God, and then they exalt themselves to the position of God. Deicidal maniacs. We can all see that every extra person is or will an extra victim. No, we just, we just prevent them from being born. We'll stop them from being victims, yes. Though the poor will undoubtedly suffer more than the rich. Why the strange silence? I meet no one who privately disagrees that population growth is a problem. No one, except flat earthers, 
can deny that that planet is finite. You see the guy sitting there looking at him, the other guy on the stage, that's Prince Philip. <laughs> in that beautiful picture from our Earth, of our Earth taken from the Apollo mission, it remains an obvious and brutal fact that on a finite planet, human populations will quite definitely stop at some point. And that can only happen in one of two ways. It can happen sooner, by fewer human births, in a word, by contraception. That's the humane way. The powerful option which allows all of us to deal with the problem if we collectively choose to do so. The alternative is an increased death rate, the way in which all other creatures must suffer through famine or disease or predation. No predation. No. See, these people, they, they have it justified in their mindset, in their worldview. It's justified in their worldview that they should become the super predators. If the people will not, will, won't sterilize themselves, if the people won't, if they won't stop breeding, then we'll, we'll have to increase the death rates, yes? We'll have to increase the death rates. And this is another thread that you see here in, uh, in Ecoscience, right? Paul Ehrlich and John P. Holdren's book, Ecoscience, a thousand-page textbook on how to decrease population. They talk about, well, the death rates just aren't high enough. Now, the problem is the birth rates are too high and the death rates are too low. So you hear him right there in their mind say, we, well, why should we not just become super predators and, and find you know, humane ways to cull the population? And of course, you know, these are the people who tell us they're going to save us from diseases. These are the same people who tell us that they're going to give us injections that are going to keep us safe. Yeah. <laughs> trust, trust us. That translated into option which allows all of us to deal with the problem if we collectively choose to do so. The alternative is an increased death rate, the way in which all other creatures must suffer through famine or disease or predation. Yeah, which all of which in 2020 have been accelerated through policies that filter down from these NGOs, from these billionaire so-called philanthropists were dictated to governments worldwide through the Bretton Woods institutions like the IMF, the World Bank, that were propagandized through the consolidated mass media, which now has global reach to the global McMonoculture. All of those things. Famine. Starvation, poverty, muzzling people, telling them to wear face diapers, telling them to avoid social contact, locking up the elderly and the infirm in isolation, which is the leading cause of death in elderly, is isolation. It's the biggest predictor of early, of early mortality in the elderly is isolation and loneliness. But these don't trust us, we want to save you. That translated into human terms means famine or disease or war over oil or water or food or minerals or grazing rights or just living space. There is, alas, no third alternative 
of indefinite growth. The sooner we stabilize our numbers, the sooner we stop running up the down escalator. Stop population increase, stop the escalator, and we have some chance of reaching the top. That's to say, a decent life for all. Yeah, we just we need a good wall. I think we need a good wall. People are insane. To do that requires several things. First and foremost, it needs a much wider understanding of the problem, and that will not happen while the absurd taboo on discussing it remains such a powerful grip on the so mind. We gotta propagandize people. We gotta we gotta tell all the plebs that they're extra. That we don't need them. To so many otherwise right, he's, he's speaking to the Royal Society. This isn't just this isn't some university. This is high-level British elite think tank. The Royal Society dictates policy throughout the sciences and the arts globally. Then it needs a change in our culture so that while everyone retains the right to have as many children as they like, they understand that having large families means compounding the problems their children and everybody else's children will face in the future. What, kind of, what a hateful heart this guy has had. To, to see humanity as a scourge of the earth, to see humanity as the most disgusting thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's so twisted. It's so twisted. But of course, he sees himself as this super pure savior, right? He, he's the savior, but the rest of humanity, oh, they're, they're dirty. They're dirty. There's too many of them. But there's not too many David Attenboroughs, I'm sure. Right, no, no, he's, he's fine. In my view, all countries should develop a population policy. Some 70 countries already have them in one form or another and give it priority. So now, our destiny is in our hands. There is one glimmer of hope. Wherever women have the vote, wherever they are literate, and have the medical facilities to control the number of children they bear, the birth rate falls. He gives the same, the same speech everywhere. Whenever women have the medical facilities to control the number of children they have, meaning wherever institutionalized infanticide is allowed, wherever human sacrifice has been brought back into the open, that's a glimmer of hope. But what can each of us There's just one thing I would ask. Break the taboo in private and in public as best you can and as you judge right. Until it's broken here, until it's broken, there is no hope of the action. Stupid edit. This is this inspiration. Oh, oh, I'm going to cry. I'm so inspired to commit mass genocide. I'm so inspired. Oh, I'm so inspired to promote institutionalized infanticide. Yes. Speak of the environment, add a few words to ensure that the population element is not ignored. Every one of these global problems, social as well as environmental, becomes more difficult and ultimately impossible to solve with ever more. Knowledge exchange.
destiny is in our hands. We, we shall be as gods. We are going to be as gods. Our destiny is in our hands. I'm so inspired. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible edit. That, that video is available, his uh, speech there to the Royal Society with Prince Philip. Um, that is available in its full length. Prince Philip in that speech talks about a gentleman that his father funded to go around Southeast Asian countries and convince farmers to get vasectomies. And they, they didn't want to be seen getting their, their, uh, their, their manhood snippet. So he blindfolded them. And he, he said, I asked him, how did you do it? And he said, oh, this is, I, uh, they didn't want to be seen. I asked him, how did you, how did you get them to, to actually submit to this? And, uh, well, I, I blindfolded them. <laughs> and the audience just laughs. You blindfolded them and cut their genitals. Oh, that's amazing. Prince Philip and, uh, you know, of course, Prince Philip... Very close with Jimmy Savile over at the BBC where uh, Attenborough had been working his whole life. Lord, not Lord Attenborough, I'm sorry, Sir David Attenborough. Brother of Lord Richard Attenborough, the late Lord Britain, uh, Richard Attenborough. They, uh, of course, close friends with Jimmy Savile, BBC covering up for Jimmy Savile's crimes for so long. <sighs> I mean, these people, uh, all these ties with Epstein, Maxwell... These are the people who are going to tell us all, yes, we need a new global commons, right? We need to look at nature as the global commons, and we need to all globally get together to protect the natural world, which is like, oh, it sounds great on paper, but it's not about protecting anything. It's about these people controlling resources, and they call us human resources. They see us as expendable resources to be tracked and traced like cattle, that's why the Rockefeller Foundation, the Wellcome Trust, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are all pushing for all of these measures. You know, we're going to protect you from viruses, right? With contact tracing. You know, we, need, we need to protect you from viruses from contact tracing. We tell you there's too many people, uh, but then we want to save you, right? We'll give you some good old... Because we'll give you these shots. This shot's going to protect you. Bring your pregnant women in. We'll give them this shot. It's going to protect you. It's madness. It's madness. It's complete hypocrisy. Of course, right? Bill Gates, biggest investor in Monsanto, biggest shareholder in Monsanto as of 2010, right? This dude heavily invested in GMOs. Rockefeller Foundation, they brought about the GMO revolution with a huge influx of money going to organizations and universities like Harvard right, to help develop after the Green Revolution to pivot to the gene revolution, right? The patenting of genes. And next is coming GMO people. Remember, these people write about this in, uh, in books like Ecoscience, right? Talks about government, the state, implanting. Right? Uh, these academics, Paul Ehrlich, who was not just an academic, he was also a media mogul, not mogul, but a, uh, a heavily promoted figure in the media. You go on Johnny Carson and stuff, talking about the population bomb. Uh, uh, Paul Ehrlich, John P. Holdren, White House science are under Obama. They would say, 
in their book, they openly say we should we should forcibly inject and sterilize women, and then the state can remove the sterilization capsule or it can be remote controlled, and the state can give them permission. All right, so they write these things, these policy papers get written, and then groups like the Rockefeller Foundation go out there and fund university research. The WHO funds university research into sterilization shots for women, right? Long-term sterilization anti-fertility shots for women. So these things heavily funded, well-funded, well-organized. Right? There is an assault, a major assault on fertility. Guys like David Attenborough, the environmental movement, while they might seem like warm, fuzzy, sweet scientists, oh, so scientific, so, so he's got the British accent, so what he says, it must be so true and scientific, and it's so nice. And always, we talk about our genocide with such, with such nice, coy little, uh, little, little mannerisms, and we make cheeky little jokes about it, and we just giggle and chortle about it. <laughs> you know, they, they seem like they're, oh, they're so nice. They're so nice. They're going to save us. They're going to save us. They're going to bring us back into the garden. They're going to bring us into the utopia. They're going to create heaven on earth. And create the, the thousand-year eco-reich. But no, these people, what they're really about is social control, social engineering, control of resources, including what they now call human resources, which is you and I. They see you as resources. Right? They see us as a scourge on the earth. And then we're going to trust these people to reallocate the world's resources. They tell us that we're terrible, we're worse than scum, we should just be eliminated, that we are, uh, we're, we're just awful. We're awful. We're, they call us extra people. <laughs> extra people. Unironically, they call us extra people. But no, we're going to save you. We're going to save you. So anyway, so you know, the years of brainwashing has gone into this. David Attenborough, his, his character in the international media as, you know, Father Time. Oh, Father Time. Oh, the timeless voice of David Attenborough. He's the voice of nature. He pauses at just the right moment and pipes in and gives you the perfect commentary when the beautiful bird is flying over to dance in front of its mate. Now you've got the three generations that have grown up looking at the natural world through these BBC documentaries with David Attenborough's voice over it, right? They think he speaks for nature and he's out there telling you, we've got to kill your babies we got to sacrifice your babies so that we can all have more stuff. Less people, more stuff for me, they say. All right, so these are sick people, sick and twisted people with a worldview that denies God, right? That they, they, they commit deicide in their mind. Check out, check out Father Deacon Ananias' stream, his recent stream on Gnosticism and Scientism. He did a great job of breaking down the scientific worldview as perpetuated by the Royal Society, by guys like Bertrand Russell, by people like David Attenborough, by the BBC. Right? These people who want to say, no, there is no God. But then put themselves, <laughs> put themselves on the throne of God. 
They want to dethrone God. And then say, we are all God. We are all God. But of course, the British royal family, they're more God than you. <laughs> there is no God, but we're all God. And clearly, you know, we, we, we all just evolved from this cold, impersonal process of evolution. We all just came from rats. You're just a highly evolved rat. You have a common rat ancestor with bananas. You're just rocks that became animate somehow and then evolved from rats and shrews and monkeys and now you're a big pink monkey. But also, you have the ability now, right, through your will to power, you have the ability to take the reins of evolution and then control this impersonal cold process, thus making yourself the gods of evolution. Right, so they, they, they flatter you they flatter you with these, this insane, inverted theology. Where, no, you didn't, we're not in a fallen world according to them. You know, like if you're coming from the Orthodox worldview, right? If you're coming from the Christian worldview, we see that we are fallen. And you can't interpret the natural world without considering the fall. Right? And even the behaviors of the, the desire for perfection, the desire to go back to that state of paradise, to go back to the garden. We have an explanation for that. Now, their explanation for that is, is all over the place. Right? I mean, that, that is our heritage. That's our heritage. That's, that is your birthright, is paradise. We gave that up. Right? Mankind fell. But they don't see it that way. They don't see us as coming from this fallen state. And through our decisions, through our lighting up our will with something other than the will of God, you know, the, will, the free will that we were given, using that in a way that created that fall, that made that fall, they see us as we're all just victims of this cold and personal process. But now, through the will to power, we can take control of that process and then build paradise apart from God, without God, by our own will. Now, but then when you really look at what they believe, what they see human beings as, it's, it, 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 they hate themselves. They hate humanity. These people hate humanity. They friggin' hate themselves. I mean, it's sad. It's demonic. These people are given over to complete evil. They hate themselves. They hate you. <laughs> but they'll save you. Yeah, we're, we hate you, but we're going to save you. <laughs> Bill Gates hates you. He says there are too many of you, but he wants to save you. Take his meds. Let him put things in your body. They'll protect you. All right, guys. Come over here to the chat see what's up. What's up with you bigots in the chat? How you bigots doing? How you bigots doing? What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about this David Attenborough fella? This David Attenborough fella. You guys enjoy the stream? Please support the stream. We got a little bit of support from some of the bigots in the chat. If you guys like the streams, support the streams. Best way to support is via Streamlabs. Also, check out our books, our nutrition books, our cookbooks. You can find a link in the description down below. You can become a member of primalhealth.com slash membership. There's a link in the description of the video if you're on YouTube. I gotta remember, I'll put the, the description on Rockfin as well. Um, 
Yeah, we got plenty more to come. Remember, we're simulcasting over there on Rockfin. You can make a free, you can make a free account over on Rockfin and view over there. Rockfin, we're going to be doing some exclusive premium content there. We can say, we can say what you want on Rockfin. No censorship over there. So I want to thank the uh, the sponsors of this stream, which are you guys, right? Like the Art of Truth and Love, DB, Roxanne, John Connor, Henry Serpanos, Arbobados, DB again. Look at that, DB. Aaron the Big Black Dude, Exposing Powerful Lies. And who was the first one? I, it, it's, I can't scroll down. I can't see all the rest of them. But DB, there we go. DB had a, he one last clip. Shout out to DB. He sent this clip. Let's see what this is. DB loves this channel. DB always says, you gotta, gotta get a good laugh. Here we go, oh, there we go. One minute, <laughs> one minute, 24 seconds. Uh, Kyle Dunnigan, nice video from Kyle Dunnigan again. He's been, he's been on a roll. Let's see, this is a good, good closer. Talking about the, the British, the Royals. Here we go. Thank you for this clip, DB. Let's see what's up with this one. Now streaming, Oprah's explosive interview with Meghan and Harry. Witness all the drama. There was a confrontation over the, the dresses. Yeah, there was. And I went right up to Kate and I was like, I'm Meghan Markle. This is my day. Stop trying to make this history day. I'm American. But she apologized, so it's fine. Shocking revelations. <laughs> yeah, orange pubes. <laughs> on all the soap. Ooh. Hashtag freckle penis. Oh, oh. <laughs> the racist conversations. And you're not going to tell me who had the conversation? Well, I think if I said who said it, it would be damaging to the person who said it. So instead, I think I'm going to not say who said it, so it's damaging to all of them. Does that make sense? A guy can't tell or William could get in trouble. <laughs> With over 45 minutes of pill commercials. Royals <laughs> life on their own. What delights you now, things that you actually cherish in your life here? Mostly, I cherish my humble new life in the ghetto next door to Oprah and Tyler Perry. Another television <laughs> and a shocking twist you won't believe. Wait, do you think my title is the Duchess of Success? Yes, because you're a success in all you do. Every one of us. It's Sussex. Sussex? That's where I'm from. You are the product of a thousand years of cousin fucking. The royal interview with Oprah. <laughs> Ask your doctor about pills. <laughs> Ask your doctor about pills. All right, that was solid. That was solid. DB, thank you for that. Thank you for that suggestion. For that demand. All right, guys, we're out of here. We'll try to do another stream maybe on Saturday. Um, we didn't even get to. We got. We got so much more to talk about. We got so much more to talk about. I try to do. I I plan two topics, but I usually just end up doing one topic on these streams. All right, guys, so make sure to sign up over on Rockfin so you can watch it over there. Make a free account, and then, you know, hey, if you want to support, you like Rockfin, upgrade that account. That supports the work we do. Uh, if you upgrade your account and become a subscriber, that's a great way to support, and you'll get access to, uh, to good, exclusive, premium content that is to come. We're setting up some cool stuff for the next couple months, so uh, thank you for supporting the chat. Thank you for supporting the stream. Thank you to uh, Dangerfield Hanley. Top mod of the chat today, Dangerfield Henley. Thank you to Jethro up in the chat. Where the rest of my mods at? The rest of my mods. Where's the Where's the rest of the mod squad? Thank you guys. Thank you to uh, everybody for supporting. Uh, for the, the the few the few folks out there who support the stream, we had a few of you bigots that uh, that keep these streams alive, and we appreciate that. We really appreciate the support, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. I'm out of here.
Later, guys. God bless.